powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Druid State Studios in California. It's episode 279 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome Dan Thompson and Mickey Pegg of McAuliffe Cigars and All Saints Cigars as our special guests. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Davis Race introduces another chapter of the saga. Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work and the spirit of the standing idea of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. The Saga Celez carries a blend of Criollo Aurora and Peloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in four sizes at an affordable price, including the new Corona size. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrels wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double H 12 Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Immenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And of course, we want to mention Drew Estate, dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Scars M81 by Drew Street is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest and darkest and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. A masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Street's Jonathan Drew. The all Maduro Black and Scars M81 by Drew Street is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, often tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show, is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode 279. Today is Thursday, August 17th, 2023. Will Cooper here. I am in the Podomo Studios on the Black Stage, joined by my friend in the Drew Estate Studios out in California, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing great. Uh, had a little bit of a whirlwind trip to Florida. Uh, got, got came back here, um, and kind of fired up to do a show tonight. So, uh, I, I feel like there was no baseball this week. The Phillies had a lot of days off for some reason, and uh, they had Monday and today off, which was kind of weird. So, I feel like there was not a lot of baseball uh for this week. Yeah, today's got a really light schedule. I think only like five games or something like that. So, a lot of a lot of teams off today. Someone pointed it out to me that they do baseball does do that because of makeup games. So, right. and it makes some sense to not just have games all the time. So, uh, you know, sometimes they do they do tap into those makeup games from time to time. So, um, but yeah, it's a you know I've been you know it's been a little bit up and down roller coaster for us right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, we play the Nationals this weekend. Uh, Red Sox play the Yankees. So, um, and Kaplow plays the Braves. 
So I'm actually rooting for the Braves at this point. Yeah, I don't think that's a. I don't think we, that's we a aren't catching the, Bra- the Braves. We aren't catching <laughs> the Braves, and and yeah, I'm scared of playing Kapler in the playoffs. You know, yeah. all, he just he has something over the Phillies. I mean, I can't deny it. I don't want any part of him in the playoffs. So uh, yeah. he'll probably knowing us, he'll win his first playoff series against us, and I don't <laughs> want that happening at all. At so. that point, you have to. I think you have to retire. From oh, I'll have to watch like, the I'll Phillies. Have- I'll, I will not go underground if that happens, but I'm going to, I know I will shut my Facebook wall down that. Day. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, so uh, good to, good to have you here, Aaron. And um, I guess it's time we can get right into things tonight with the show tonight. Yeah. So we have two guests on tonight that have made some headlines. Um, Aaron, you know, a lot of times we like, we sometimes will wait to put a guest on, particularly when there's a big change in the company or something like that. But we right. opted, we opted tonight. I think we know these guests pretty well. And I think we've seen what they're doing and we, they gave us the opportunity to have them first on the air. So I think, uh, I'm excited about it. And I think it's going to be a great show. A lot of, I think a lot of people probably have questions and, uh, We'll get right into these guys. So yeah, first we had to try to figure out what NFTs were. Now we'll we'll try to figure this one out. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I will I go. Known Loomis was going to be on here. I wouldn't have signed up. <laughs> I, I will go in alphabetical order. So uh, in company and 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 person. So first of all, we have from All Stains Cigars. Uh, we have Mickey Peg, the co-owner, and now he's the president of McAuliffe Sales. And then we have the president of McAuliffe Cigars, Dan Thompson. Mickey, Dan, welcome back to primetime. Hey, thank you, Coop. Loving it. What, what, so you're upset about Aaron being here? I mean, this is, uh, what do you? No, I love Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the hassle. No, so, uh, no, so uh, I know, um, I know, Mickey, you were on the road. So you were probably uh, prohibited from smoking tonight, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, you're not. Okay. Look at that. Okay. So what are you guys we're smoking? We're out by the patio, and uh, so it's yeah. all good. It looked like you were indoors. That's why I was a little – that's a nice uh, – you got some good lighting on that patio. Yeah. I was getting nervous. I couldn't get in. I didn't know the lighting was going to work out, and then, you know, so – but it all worked out. Excellent, excellent. So, Mickey, what are you smoking tonight? I am smoking a Leanda, the rope. Very good. Very good. I wish I had a Riata. But you know, somebody didn't send me any. <laughs> what, don't your rep doesn't have any? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. How about you? Where are you smoking? Hey, well, I I'm smoking the McAuliffe Black tonight, and I'm going to follow up with the Landa when it's time. Okay. So I don't, Aaron. You're not smoking tonight, right? I'm not smoking tonight. Okay. So I'm going to kick it off with a St. Francis Toro. And then I have a McAuliffe Black Robusto. Um, and it's because that McAuliffe Black is much bolder and stronger. I'm going to save that for the second cigar. So uh, I'm pretty excited here. Um, but guys, yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, it's, um, let's we'll kind of get into, I guess, what you guys um, are doing. But um, let me kind of start off from the beginning here because I'm kind of curious. Uh, when I first found this out, I mean, it was you know, you guys are, I know you guys for a long time. You're, you're, you're both great guys. And, um, but you know, as far as did I see anything happening with you guys coming together? Absolutely not. Right. So I'm kind of curious how you guys first met. Let's before you get into some of the business aspects, how did you guys meet personally? Well, I'll tell you how we made it. And then I'll let Dan, uh, tell you the story. Cause it's pretty, it's pretty, it caught me off. It caught me off for a little bit too. 
no, we actually literally were Facebook messengering, talking on shows together, all kinds of stuff. And sometimes when we are on one of your late shows or match late shows, <laughs> we'd end up like, screw this thing. And we'd end up talking to each other sometimes at two o'clock in the morning and just really became friends and, you know, obviously allies. And, and that's the beautiful thing about this industry. You know, you remember, well, you don't remember when I went through that hyper growth, you know, went from literally working in a store. to like three years later, or, or no, I'm sorry, like seven years later, I went from like 22 to, and then, you know, 29 years old, I'm, I'm leading sales organization, you know? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was the tallest guy in the industry. I was the youngest guy in the industry. Now I'm just another old guy trying to sell cigars, you know, <laughs> between Tello and, and Terrence Riley and all these Sasquatches we are, you know, stick figures that we have, but no, that was it. I mean, it was just, and uh, he just kind of blew my mind one day. And I said, absolutely. Well, I, I don't know. I'd like to tell that story. That's his story. <laughs> yeah. Well, hang up before we kind of got to the arrangement part. I, want, I'm just, I was just more curious how you guys like met. Right. I was, I guess it, we were just talking in the green room. You I guys can't tell you the camp- first time we saw each other, yeah. like live, like belly yeah. to belly. We dated online for a good year. What most people we did. were yeah. able to get together. Right. You know, I didn't have to swipe left or right. I just got Mickey in full effect. He was my first online bromance. (laughs) (laughs) So, Coop, it really did come from the shows that you guys host. We we were spending time in the comment boxes, and then the comment boxes turned into text threads, and then text threads turned into phone calls. And it was just really, it was probably a year or two before we actually met face-to-face. As as we grew and got to know each other, you know, I, I had questions being new to the industry and uh, certainly Mickey was, was a great mentor presenting some perspectives that I just didn't have. And as we had time to, to visit with each other, we, we started talking about our businesses. You know, and I think one of the things was, is me being in the business for so long and then with Dan and I having similar educational backgrounds, not that education makes anything happen, but, you know, we talked about our vernacular and our, you know, from the infrastructure, from a business acumen, uh, we just agreed on a lot of things. And then there were some things I had some insight from the cigar side, some of the no brainer stuff, you know, or industry standard. And I caveat that or asterisk that like, you don't have to do everything industry standard. You got to have to find a way to differentiate yourself, but, you know, it's important that there's just stuff that mechan- there's mechanics that are just absolutely no-brainers, like car allowance, expense report, you know, stuff like that. And and also, Dan, because, you know, he does spend a lot of time in HQ, and Frank, my partner, so from that kind of... Uh-oh. And um, Dan and Frank can really connect on that, and then and there's some things I did, I lean on Amanda for, and some things I lean on Dan for, you know, with their, you know, with their skills. So, right. uh, and, we're, and also there's a little bit of discovery that's going on right now because, you know, I do all the blending and the factory and we have a really talented guy on the McAuliffe side, Alan, not Al, but Alan, um, that with that, the things that he learned from J Mac, I mean, he picked up tobacco 
and the stuff down in the you know the, the factory that Mr. McAuliffe owns uh, down there. I mean, he's just a freaking he's awesome. He reminds me of my dad. He just kind of looks at you to see if you're full of shit or not. Doesn't say anything, <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden you kind of get a nod of approval, and you know. And so we're figuring that out because we, we definitely like two brothers. Uh, we're we're now two shields in the same in the same family, but you know we have two different personalities that we want to make sure that, and maybe that's just from the the the, the blending part, you know, because I don't think I'm going to be involved with any of the. Blend. I mean, we'll do some fun stuff. I mean, you can't put two people in you know two factories that are two kilometers away from each other and not <laughs> something's going to happen. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's almost like premarital sex, you know. Something's gonna happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Something's gonna slip by the goalie. You know what I mean? So. Uh, all right. So let's kind of let's go with this bromance theme, okay? So obviously there was there was an opportunity you guys saw. You have a friendship. There's an opportunity you see where you can work together. Uh-huh. Um, and what kind of who initiated that conversation? Um, and then take us take me through a little bit of that. Alan Rubin. No kidding. <laughs> Are you just telling him to hold up the antenna higher right now? Let's make exactly. sure we know what's He's going right on over here. here. He's my audience. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Dude, he's an amazing salesman. He really is. He, he's. Uh, we're gonna have a little. We're gonna have a. I have a. I have a, a small segment piece that's gonna be dedicated to him. But I taped his fingers together and put a muzzle on him for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen any comments in chat yet. I told everybody, no comments. Amanda, she's going to do whatever the hell she wants. Right. Anyway, yep. So yep. don't even try to get from yep. that one. Yep. All right. So, yeah, I'm curious, where, how did the bromance initiate here? So, so Coop, I, th- I think a lot of the credit goes to Mickey in that after we talked for probably a year, year and a half between text and some phone calls, he, he made time out of his schedule while he was selling in the DFW area to, to come visit us, you know? And if, if he wouldn't have initiated, hey, I want to come see you guys, then we probably wouldn't be here today because we wouldn't have had the face time to, to really begin to understand what are we both trying to solve with our companies? You know, All Saints is uh, a young company. McAuliffe is a young company. We have different configurations. We have a factory. All Saints has a great manufacturing partner. And so we were able to talk about, you know, what are the things that we have in common? What is different? And what are the shared problems that we're both grappling with? And it really um, ignited the conversation. Shared problems were few, I think. Yeah. When I say shared problems, it's not that we had problems. We have good problems. In terms of how do we grow our brands, you know, and and both of us had some different strengths, and it was just very interesting spending an afternoon together at our headquarters uh, with with Mickey and you know Mickey and Frank got to talk. I mean, how did it go in your perspective, Mickey? After after you made that first visit, I mean, we didn't have a plan or anything. I don't know. You yeah. put a bottle of rum in front of me and a bunch of. <laughs> uh, no, no, I think. That it was, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I just I had a chance, we talked, like, if we are ever in each other's neighborhoods, that we catch up with each other, and I visit a lot of people, like, if I'm in there, like, you know, I'm in Nashville next week, I gotta reach out to John and see if I can see those guys, you know, when I'm down in the factories, uh, I, I missed one of my factory trips because of this, 
uh i'll be down in december i hang you know you know the, the, the cast of characters that i hang out with down there so um you know it was just one of those things and and uh, uh amanda was in there alan was in there and just had some really good conversation i go i think i would do this i would do that uh and that was it and it was, it was just a really nice it was a really nice afternoon after a lot of grinding out there and those 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 are those pleasurable moments that you really enjoy and dan will tell you if i'm in hq and we got we got a lot of smart people in the room i don't want to leave i mean they purposely make dinner reservations at six so they can peel my ass out of there so it's, uh... <laughs> right but you know coop for something to last a friendship has to develop Right. And there has to be things that both comp companies want to achieve. And, and I think that that's the foundation that, that we're building from. Yeah. Yep. But this initial meeting was just, Mickey, you were going there like you, because I know you, like, I've seen you go to other companies and visit places when, we, when we, you and I flew down to Nicaragua on that flight. You know, I know you go visit folks, but this initial meeting was just, hey, I'm going to, I'm out in Texas. I'm going to go see. I'm going to go see these guys. And then you yeah, guys obviously and, started having a conversation. Have to, we only really physically saw each other once or twice. And when we did, we were doing multi-vendor, big-time multi-vendor events. Right. And it's, hey, how you doing? And I don't like to leave a booth, of wh whether it's a trade show or whether it's a consumer-driven event. You know, I want to get all the FaceTime again. And, I'm, you know, and Dan's the same way. And so it was like, hey, how you doing? Good. All right, I'll see you. And then, boom. We should have taken a picture, you know. You know. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know that we had any expectations when you were kind enough to come visit our headquarters. And uh, it was really just uh, a social and a visit about the industry. And uh, it certainly left a mark on us. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was being a smart ass. Go ahead. Um, no, I figured you and Frank had talked. And I think Frank said, why don't you go over and visit them or something? I'd never even so met I don't Frank call at him that so much. point. Yeah. And, you know, so, so Coop we had this kind of interesting encounter and at least from my perspective, we stepped back and took a week or two and just thought about what we heard. Right. And I think that Mickey and Frank probably thought about what they heard also um, because there was no discussion of, of, of really truly collaborating. Are you talking about our first way. meeting or our second meeting? Our first meeting. Frank wasn't there. Right. Frank wasn't there. You and Frank probably spoke afterwards. Well, after you talked to no, because you didn't say anything. We didn't talk about working together. You called at all, me your first meeting, and so yeah. then I just decided out of the blue, um, after sitting on it for about a week or ten days, I called Mickey and said, "What would it look like if we worked together? Would there be any interest in that topic at all? We don't have to solve anything on a short call." but we'd just like to put it out in the universe that there may be an opportunity for all saints and McAuliffe to unify forces, especially on the sales front. And uh, I think Mickey laughed when I first said it. No, I think <laughs> it's funny because Dan and I, we talk about when we do these shows, when people do stuff and what's coming and when you get stumped, because I, I, I don't think I get stumped that much. And uh like the first thing that came to my mind and I didn't say, I wanted to say, yes, I'm definitely interested, but what was going on in my mind came out first. So what was going on in my mind was the, all these 
relationships in the industry from behind the scenes, right? So uh, the first one that jumped out at me, and we had discussions after this as we were exploring this, is look at the Fuente JC Newman, right? right? So uh, now, again, there's only one factory involved, but everything's not the same, right? So it's two different invoices from two different companies from the same sales force, right? So I, w- I was trying to say yes, but I was processing that and I was thinking about other teams that did similar things to that. And I was like, it's unique. It's a little bit different, but it's putting our skill sets together. And I, I said, yes. And so I call Frank and <laughs> Frank goes, uh, what are we getting on a flight? <laughs> so, right, right. You know, and then Frank, your partner, Frank, your friend. Yeah. Yeah, well, the interesting up. thing is that if you, so one of the things Dan and I were, I were, were taught learning coming up in, in, in the business world is just be observant of the successes that are happening out there. And what are those pieces? And then what can you, how can you apply that to your company? So one of the things I looked at, when you look at companies that have done well and survived, it takes about seven to eight years to get a sales force. It took Mr. McAuliffe hiring Dan in like eight months. You know what I mean? So, but, uh, you know, so it's, it was that thing. And I'm like, it's a good number. Oh, Mickey. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Yeah. It's an accurate number. And, and I go, well, we're going into, we're getting ready to have our fourth anniversary and you got to put an asterisk next to that because of the COVID year. And everybody goes, whoa, COVID was so good. I'm like, none of you were behind the curtain. Nobody knew I existed except for those 40 accounts. And you remember that. I walked you through all that stuff, you know, that first interview. Yeah. And it was Coop show, uh, Dan, that my wife come running out. And she's like, well, November 1st is your anniversary. Because me and Frank had signed papers like in October. Right. In October. And she comes out because she'll, if I'm home doing a show, she'll go watch it with her girlfriends. And then she'll come out and heckle me. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember. I remember. I think he was yeah, she goes, you dumbass. November 1st, it's All Saints Day. It was just a week, <laughs> you know. So that was it. That's the, what was it? You know, we both came at it two ways. And it was really fascinating because Mickey had all these examples in the cigar industry that I may or may not have known and was able to replay 30 years of, of history you know, I, I I had a much simpler view and it was like, hey, let, let's, is there a possibility that we could do something? And if there is, let's get together and have a conversation about what that opportunity looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and Mickey brought all this domain knowledge and we began peeling back the layers, you know, H- how do systems work? How do sales work? You know, what could we help provide to each other? What kind of arrangement may work? And began defending that, defining the shot or the opportunity. You know, I, I joke and I say Amanda, but she's kind of flagship for all the little things like the CRM. The there's all this technology that we are growing into because my CRM right now is between my notes and my um, Excel sheets and my calendar. And Dan will tell you, like, I don't want to talk about anything unless I got a calendar in front of it. I'm, I'm so calendar driven, right? And, you know, they have all these systems that we can take advantage of that are very, that we had we to grow into, you know, that's a year four, year five thing, you know, um, our cash flow, everything else is good, 
Mickey, let me interrupt you. I've seen yeah. companies in year 20, because I, I dance shares that aren't where McAuliffe is. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I didn't interrupt, but it, it is no, true. No, no, please do, because yeah. I, I talk too much. No, that's um, okay. Go ahead. But no, and if you look at this toolbox that we've built, you know, uh, that all we were building together, uh, it's amazing. You know, there's a guy you, 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 at home that has a little toolbox and he does maintenance around the house. But you ever see those toolboxes at a really cool tool and die shop, the tool yeah. and die department of J-Max, whatever? Yeah, those big freaking six-foot toolboxes. We have that now with the combined. Uh, and a lot of that comes from from Dan and, and the team over there. Oh, over there. I'm sorry to talk that way. I got to stop talking that way. Um, I'm still in negotiation period. Uh, no, that that that's just amazing. And they're teaching me tools. We're learning tools. And, you know, and, you know, with Dan's background, you know, basically shutting off the commerce and all of the country of Mexico with his background, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. And I'm just so excited. And then my background that I had when I was out of the industry at Lincoln Financial, those tools and those things I have that Dan was a high level C-suite guy in those operations. And he's talking about stuff and I'm just sitting there drooling because I love this stuff. It's just, it wasn't in our, and we got to a place where we grew. We got over to three, you know, when I, my first time I was on your show, we had 40 accounts. We have like, I don't know, 300, like 300 ish. I don't know. Dan would probably even, Dan and Frank would know better than me because they're looking at those. You know, 323, you're doing very good, Mickey. You had 323. Okay. Uh, There you go. Um, no, so it's just, and then we had our crossover. You know, obviously McCallop has much more to that. But the crossover, I think, was thirty accounts. Yeah, it was. It was only like 30, 35 accounts between the two companies, and it just really represented the different growth that had taken place by each company, and the ability to bring together a larger set of accounts, and the people to serve those. Um, Boy, that was attractive. Right. And if you look at our top end revenue accounts, they that's where their synergy was, where it was the same. Um, like Abe and Dave and all those guys. Uh, uh, and the special relationships that we have with standalones, you know, it was just the the, the reaction quickly was because we did these joint calls. Was, that's great. Boom. You know. So that shows the confidence that they have with what uh, Dan and I are, you know, front loading right now. Right. So you guys come to the table and you're going to get something here. Right. I want to know from each of you, what did you guys need from the other person to basically say, this is going to help grow my business? Well, I'll start. They had everything we didn't have. <laughs> right. I'll start. The first thing that we had to have. Well, to- oh, I'm going to interrupt one second. I got to be honest, because I've been getting a lot of credit out there for this, and it's bullshit. It was Dan that orchestrated it all. Well, and he froze, in the- and he froze on that moment. Yeah. No, I want to be clear that this Dan orchestrated this, so he needs to get the credit. And and I'm sorry, Dan, to interrupt, but I'm done. Coop, Coop, I think that anytime you go into this, Um, The first thing that we had to have from each other was trust and respect. And 
the ability and speed that the team at McAuliffe, Amanda, Alan Davis, who does our manufacturing, being able to work with Frank and Mickey in a very fast way, in a very vulnerable way. You know, let's actually look at each other's revenue and accounts. Those are some of the kind of the most private conversations inside of a company. Sure. What, what products are shipping? What products aren't shipping as fast as you would like? We were able to, to, to really peel back those layers in a very honest way and say, okay, at McAuliffe, we had this, this foundation that Andy Yaffe and the sales team had been building together, you know, and we, we have some very competent people like any company, you know, as you try to build a sales force, there's kind of that storming before you get to norming. And yep. right when you think that you're norming, you know, another storm comes through and you have to, to be able to do it. But one thing that we lacked was a um, an industry perspective. You know, if I speak from the point of view of, of the team that I needed, we, we've spent years building our manufacturing up. We've spent years with Amanda setting up the marketing platforms that we have. This is when we really needed to think about sales. And so in, in the spirit of McAuliffe, we're like, how could we do this in an innovative way? And uh, Frank and Mickey at All Saints were, were very interesting partners to be able to do that with. Yeah. I'm, I'm just giddy. So, <laughs> right. Uh, I'll, I'll take a break at Thanksgiving and then Black Friday, I'll be out rocking somewhere. Um, right. But no, I, it's just, it's just, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how excited I am. Right. And I got to tell you, and Andy Yaffe, uh, it's just, he's an, he's an amazing guy too. And, you know, we're going to grow him into some, something really special. And, uh, he's already special. He, uh, I mean, not like me when I was a kid, short bus special, but he's like really just a, an amazing <laughs> guy. So, yeah. uh, and if you look at the, the culture at the company, it's, uh, it, it's not bad at any all. It's just, it's just going to get better with this dynamic. You know, I kind of, I was, joking one day where I said like Knights of the Round Table. So, you know, quite honestly, like, listen, I, I own All Saints. Obviously, so does Frank. Sometimes I talk in first person because I'm not always around with Frank. But if you look at Al, this, this, this icon that's out there and has genuine love for cigars. And yes, he put a lot of money in, but he's not a jackass. Uh, and I'm not referring to anybody else in the industry, wink, wink, uh, that, you know, you look at that table, th that round table that he has, you know, Dan, Amanda, Alan, uh, me and Frank and, and, and Andy, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite a unique circle. And um, I don't know, that's my interpretation. Never really said that to Dan, but that's how I kind of look at it too. So, Anybody can learn from Al uh, from a business acumen, right? And what's my favorite story, Dan? $2 bill. Yeah, the $2 bills. And I, I, I think that uh, Coop, maybe Al McAuliffe many years ago told the $2 bill story with you. I think I remember this when we did the interview with him. You know, the, the spirit that we get working with the McAuliffe family and Al and Amanda is, is of constant innovation. 
and and taking whatever problem is in front of you and seeing how you could dissolve it in a creative way. In the $2 bill story, Al McAuliffe was working with the, the city and having some tax and real estate issues that happens kind of in the same stage that McAuliffe Cigars is now. You get six and seven years old, you need to grow. And uh, the, the city was blocking him on a couple of things. And so he ordered a, a Federal Reserve truck for JMAC that delivered payroll and $2 bills. <laughs> and those $2 bills covered up the entire county. And he was able to have a different conversation about, do you understand that we're an important part of this community? We need to work together to be able to grow. And I think that spirit is part of what Mickey loves. And, and certainly we, we try to uphold is how, how do we get great winning combinations and, and bring some creativity to it? Well, the also th the thing I love about Mr. McCall is the fact that he knew exactly where my grandparents used to date. So <laughs> our, both our families have a very interesting background. You're going into manufacturing. And it was really funny. You know, I'm like, I saw Verner's in there. I think that's the thing that got me over the edge with this, doing this thing. I'm like, I got a fridge full of Verner's, you know, <laughs> and uh <laughs> Yeah, sounds good to me. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, so the yeah, first yeah. time I meet Mr. McAuliffe, he, he walks in and he hands me a prune from his farm. One of his, you know, one of the, you know, I don't know, you know, something he owns. One of the many things he owns. Hands me prunes. And then I, and I looked in my pocket. I had a $2 bill at home that I wanted to bring and, and I just wanted to carry it so he would sign it for me, you know, because of the story. And next, I go, darn it. And he goes, you okay, Mickey? And I go, I'm just looking for that $2 bill that I wanted. I want you to sign it, you know, just for me, because being a geek. And he yelled out, I don't know who he yelled out to. And all of a sudden she came in with boxes. <laughs> I like literally these $2 bills. And it was just, it was amazing. And uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Right. No, that's good. So, you know, obviously, Dan, you talked about, um, you guys both talked about your problems. And Mickey, you didn't have, like you said, it takes a while to build a sales team, right? Right. Um, but in a way, I guess this gave you an opportunity for a sort of a, to add a turnkey sales organization into, you know, what you're doing. Right. So you had obviously done some homework in terms of how they would. I mean, you guys spent time together. Obviously, you you did some homework in terms of how they're doing sales and, and, and said, hey, this is something that could benefit us. Yeah. I mean, we we airballed some numbers at each other. And then we had a meeting where there was a due diligence component to it. And it was when we actually got the data over, I think our Delta was maybe five or 10%. Dan would know better because he was really crunching that down a little bit better. Uh, and I think that built, a, that, that built a lot of confidence between us. And, you know, the fact is they have a direct sales force. And if you know the dollar or what they're paying for those guys, it's a it's a real number. Yeah, and, sure. Absolutely. And I'm not saying I'm not being bragalicious right. about the money right. that right. the McAuliffe side is paying. And I'm sorry, I keep saying they. I got to stop that. Um, that shows commitment. No, you know it's when you get you know, and I don't know how many years is the direct sales force been out there? Three years, four years. I'm getting up to on all the history. Is that for somebody to continuously do that? and have that type of payroll, there's a commitment. And all I'm having, my wife's like, this is that giddiness you had when you came home and said, you're leaving Wall Street, and you're going to go do this. And I said, yeah, because I'm going to build another, 
great sales organization. Like I did at CAO. Look at all those studs today. They're all freaking national sales managers. I mean, we, I didn't yeah, poach. Yeah. You hear me? If you're watching, I didn't poach anybody. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No. No, you didn't. And it, now, if I took you from retail, before I even talked to the person in retail that I wanted to talk to, I talked to the owner or the decision maker of that place first. I said, listen, I'm not going to even flirt with this guy unless I have your permission. Because there's some people you just don't mess with, you know, and yeah. you, you know who's from the one lives right by you. Um, so, you know, I would talk to them before I approach it. It's always, are you going to pay more than I, than I'm paying them? And I'm like, yes. And that was it. They, Cause they had such love for that person. Right. They didn't want to hold right. that person back. It's right. like these great chefs. You know, they're the student of other great chefs. Look at these head football coaches uh, uh, that have all the, this lineage out there that are, I mean, look at uh, what's our boy from Kansas city. We still love him. Big Andy, big, I mean, they rooted for Andy. Look, 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 look at his lineage out there. You got Sean McDermott. You, you got uh, Stefanski. We were actually two good friends by the accident because they, they're both Philly boys. Yeah. Um, but it's like Doug Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we fired yeah, I, mean, I can forget. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Foles and Peterson. Yeah. Yep. Not some of our best moments, but no, we, we, we're going to have a little time for that. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, I know you're going to come. I told Danny he's going to do something Philly on me because he always stumps me on Philly stuff. No, it's not going to. There's nothing that will stump you guys. There's one question that might stump you, but that's it. I think there's one that's out there uh, that's maybe a stumpable question. But what it is, too, I mean, this is, I, I think Dan is the most excited about this. He's even more excited than me. And I'll tell you why. A, he has that beautiful flowing locks of hair, right? And I look like Ron Perconi or Soccer or something. And also, my art guy <laughs> got involved, like doing some of this stuff. He took a picture that I uh, that was uh, we had this little photo shoot when I was in Dublin, because you know we did the firecracker to St. Patrick's. So I did it with that, and that's that picture is actually from uh, right outside the Guinness factory in Dublin. And then when they superimposed us together, Dan grew like a foot. Yeah, so he got, he got a little bit taller. He's got the full head of hair. Yeah, I showed the picture to my wife. It was fantastic. Not only was I taller, I was thinner. It was it was one of I, I've got to get more of these pictures from him because I'm going to put the whole house in pictures where instead of a trainer, I'm going to use an artist. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it, it, I'm going to pull the picture up so folks who didn't see it. Uh, I've always said tailors, not trainers. And now we can just have a Photoshop work. Look at that. Yeah. That was cool. It was good. Good work there on that. Uh, now, now, Mickey, you mentioned this, and um, I want, I want, because I know there's a lot of ambassadors in the group, and and this is a very community driven, uh, both companies very community driven. But you know, you, uh, you, Dan, you did have a sales leader, and Andy, um, Andy is now a part of this new organization, and I think a lot of folks have questions: Where's Andy fit in right now, and what can we see from Andy going forward? I. Just getting bigger and better. You can't have, you can't grow without keeping growing the leadership that you already had there. It's just, you know, I, I guess a layer in the org chart. Just we added a layer in the org chart, but it's for everybody to grow together. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's uh, Andy still has an integral part with, with the team and the, the stuff, and 
you look at them, you know, special ops, you know, going out and keeping making sure that, you know, we're in markets that we haven't hired somebody yet or they're not there going in there. Andy has a lot of special relationships out there. And so it's just great to see that he's uh, I think he's having a good time. You know, you're not we're not going to, you know, you're honestly not going to know for, for it's going to take about four or five months of, of people but, accept the yeah. change. And I yeah. think uh, Dan will say, like, the two biggest things out of me was my calendar and change management, how we do this. So nobody has to drink water. Yeah. From a fire hose. Yep. It, it, and if we weren't confident about that, we wouldn't have been on the show to talk about it. No, because I agree. We're going to hold us all accountable for the promises that we're making right now. Would you concur, Yeah, you know, I I kind of like to answer it from a different perspective. You know, Andy Yaffe uh, joined McAuliffe Cigars probably in 2019. I believe that's right. Yep. And uh, 2020, he stepped forward to help build and lead a team. And uh, when Andy stepped into that position, you know, he was the greatest seller we've, we've ever had. Andy is masterful from managing customers, relations, developing events. He's, he's a very talented person. I think a lot of it goes back to his hospitality experience. And uh, then we got slammed with the pandemic. Andy was able to pivot right away. <laughs> Excuse me. Created the McAuliffe TV, where we connected with customers and ambassadors in a different way. And over the last two and a half years has, has led our sales team. And the question that I always have as a leader of a business is how do we get the best out of all the people that we have available? And in this particular case, it was an opportunity to bring Mickey to, to join us and bring that perspective and to take our Michael Jordan of sales and put him back on the court as the, the captain, you know? So it's, it's very important, the business that we want to develop, that somebody had the flexibility and the skill set to be able to develop and drive those relationships. It's, a, it's an ever-changing landscape, and nobody adapts and is able to create great customer solutions better than Andy Yaffe. And so I think that Andy's going to learn a tremendous amount from Mickey and see some perspective that I, I failed and didn't have because I'm not from this industry. And I think it's an opportunity for him to have somebody to work with that, that has a, a rich context inside the premium cigar industry. And I think that over the next couple of years, you know, Andy will continue to grow. And the most important thing was that Andy's life, um, he's about to get married. Yeah. You know, he has so many exciting things going on. And we, we just want to make sure that he's a, he and the other people that work on our teams are fully rounded people and have good lives. And sometimes that can, that can create friction or change when people's priorities change and that's okay. We want to see people while they're with us to be able to have the most actualized life they can have with their family and friends and whatnot. And as we go through a period of change like this, Andy has been an unbelievable supporter of it. And I just, I don't know what all will accomplish, but I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm very proud to say that he has helped us get to this point where now we can focus on sales in a, a different way with people playing slightly different positions and really serve our customers and consumers in a, in a 
better way as we continue to grow and scale. Yeah, Dan, and you know, you, you know the background we come from sales organizations. Mm-hmm. I actually went through similar things. So yeah, that was cases where we've a layer has gone in there, and that's the layer was put in there for growth. That happened. That's so, correct. Um, and I was on both ends of that actually. Once someone came over me, and then once I went over someone. So it, it is a part of a growth of an organization. Uh, it is that's a very important thing to to say. Uh, but I think a lot of people are glad too that you know this this that that was the move, and it was definitely a growth move. You know, what I think is exciting is when people come to me and say, I want to be a manager. I'm like, oh, my God, you haven't managed people. Yeah. I mean, Aaron, you, you got to support me on this, right? You know? 100%. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times in my career I was able to move to a role of like program management that didn't involve the direct people yep. but was running a program. And over a lifetime, you need breaks like that. So that you can be able to learn how to grow different leadership muscles. You know, there's directly managing people, but then there's also running and building programs. And if you want to grow to become uh, an executive, you have to develop all of those skill sets. And, you know, for Andy, I, I, I love his attitude. He wants to continue to learn um, like all of us. Mickey exudes that, Amanda. I mean, it's something that we really embody across All Saints and McAuliffe Cigars is this desire to learn and grow. And we have that mindset. And I hope that for Andy, he finds that this period of time where he's going to develop some other muscles that are very critical, just continue to build him in a strategic way. And not everybody understands at the moment when a change happens, that it really often opens up other opportunities and doors for you to build your set of competencies. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, one of the things too that I love is that talking to uh Dan, I, I mean I have mentors, you know, at my age, you know, and I'm constantly reading 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 new books. There's a book that Dan and I we want to get back out to these guys uh in January that we love. It's an absolute staple. But we want to make sure we deliver that message in the same way. You know, you don't you never get all be a student of the game, be a student of the industry that you're in. I don't know. You remember when I was at CIO? I don't know if you ever had a chance to meet Michael Roos, who played 10 years at left tackle uh, for the Titans. He was all pro. He's really close with John Huber now. We were really close back then when I lived there. His second year in the NFL, he started all 10 years, right? At one, one year, he was the highest paid left tackle. He knew who Sam Huff was, who Dick Buckus was. The same people I knew that were older, way older than me. And like, and look how successful he was in the NFL. I think being a student of the game, knowing mentors. And one of the things Andy goes, Andy said to me, he goes, well, you know, mentor, what is it? I go, a mentor is a mentor that's going to work with you. Yep. There's a difference between a mentor and inspiration. There's some of these guys in this industry, they run around and go, that guy's my mentor. Now, I know that guy. He doesn't know you from Adam. He was an inspiration. Perdomo, not a mentor to me. Inspiration that academic approach that he took to cigars when he was making cigars for us at CAO. Uh, so I have some other, I have mentors out there and Andy goes, well, he goes, I'm you know, excited for you to mentor me. I'm like, oh, listen, we're in. So this you got inside mentors. You got outside mentors. Yep. You have uh, peer mentors. You have leadership mentors. I go only trust me 90%. He goes, well, that's freaking disturbing. I go, remember 
you don't trust your interior mentor as much as you trust your outside mentor. So, you know, but it's like, yeah. And so, I mean, and Andy's excitement to learn is just infectious. Yeah. So, and his, the whole marriage thing too is like, that's pretty cool too. Oh, it's definitely. Yeah. So Dan, the other thing that, okay. So you mentioned Al, you had to sell this to Al. So how was that process? Was that, how did you kind of approach Al with this? So, cause this is, Probably something I don't know if he's dealt with anything like this in his businesses before. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't, but it is even a little different from from most businesses here. How did you so, how did you sell that to Al now? I it's because really I was funny. interviewed by three of his favorite people. <laughs> <laughs> Every business that Al McAuliffe has operated in, there's always partnerships involved in it. Now he he he's 80, what is he? He's 80 this year. And in terms of the ownership of a business, he doesn't want a partner, but he understands business networks, yep. whether it's distributions or suppliers and, and how people are at, at similar points and what they're trying to accomplish. And he loves creative solutions. And when Mickey and Frank and Amanda and I were able to develop something that says, hey, it makes a lot of sense for these two companies to remain separate and maintain their identities because the investments made by different people it's very meaningful that they're able to pursue the, the goals and growth. Al, it's terrifying to me the amount of trust that he's he's provided into Amanda and I. You know, he's he's very much a due diligence person. Mm-hmm. Um, I told Mickey one day, and it kind of caught him off guard. I said, you know, the good news is you uh, passed your, your background check. <laughs> i've had i've had many people do a background check on me. my and, father-in-law being one of them and i'm not shooting you and you know this was actually a case after we'd met al had met with mickey that um we didn't have to do a level of diligence around background checks and whatnot it was clear that frank mickey had a very focused business that they were doing unifying together on the sales front really is an accelerant for both, both teams and companies. And there was no pushback at all. He, he was excited that we had developed a creative way to continue to grow. Um, you know, the investments the McAuliffe family has made in entering the premium cigar industry. Um, it's very expensive when you acquire your own factory and then you have to acquire all your tobacco inventories and then you you develop your your production teams and your fermentation we we do all of that inside of our factory and that's why it's taken the last three years for us to be able to build something like mccallough black was to make sure all those processes were properly instrumented and supply chains lined up and it's the natural time you know as mickey says i think it's it's a fantastic way to frame it it's all gas and no brakes on the sales side now so, Mickey, let me pass this back to you now. Now, you have uh, you have established partners as well on the manufacturing end, on the fulfillment end. You had a problem. Right? You had to talk to those folks now because this is something a little different. Was there any trepidation or concerns on that? No, I was, I, 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 was I a little nervous about the phone call? But here's the thing. When you have a relationship that I've had with, a, let's call it the Patel family. Yeah. Rocky, Nish, Nimish, Dave. Sean Bustler, uh, Eddie won't become friends with me because he's the CFO. 
That's the guy we're going to cut our checks to. No, I'm kidding. Eddie's great. Um, you know, that was, that, there was a due diligence there. And I, you know, it's funny because I've told that story before. So Frank and I had about 40 questions when we walked in with them. And uh, next thing you know, we're getting peppered. We had to show bank statements and all this other stuff. It was pretty, it was pretty funny. Right. And then we got a lot of those questions a- answered organically through the whole thing. We walk out and Frank goes, did we interview them or they interview us? Like, I think we got interviewed. Uh, (laughs) And Rocky's last thing was like, are you going to do what you did before? And I go, well, what are you talking about? He goes out there hustling, doing everything. And that's how we became friends because we kept running into each other. Right. You know, and back then people did multi-vendor events and it wasn't so tiered with the personality within the company. Right. So, uh, and I said, yes, he goes, all right, let's go to burn. Get drunk. Let's go. So, (laughs) So that was it. Yeah. So that was, um, I don't know if I answered your question. I kind of went off. On no, you did. You did. I mean, you did. I mean, I know when we were at the airport going down the uh, Poros of I saw the interaction you had with, with the Patel. It was very strong. It was very strong. You could see it. But yeah. obviously, this is a big change. And sometimes people worry about stuff like that, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so we start calling everybody. And obviously, uh, made a couple phone calls early. And the only one that I would call early for that organization was Rocky out of disrespect. I just out of respect. I did that. And right. uh, he was, you know, I couldn't get him on the phone. He was in Croatia or whatever. He's, he's finally enjoying the fruits of his labor. Yeah. Good for uh, him. No, he's actually in Croatia now, but whatever. When Rocky and I talk too, we don't talk. We talk FDA, how the kids, how's, you know, how's Molly doing? How's Tierney doing? How's Kimmy? Because back in the day, we'd stay at each other's house. I still stay at his house when I go down to Florida. Yeah. I just haven't been down to Florida much lately for that part of Florida. Because that's kind of you now Frank has built the relationships with Sammy and, yeah. and Clay and, and, and the guys on the team. So And he, go, he goes down there because I need to be out doing right. what I'm doing right here. So And I need the time down at the factory. So, you know, every, right. time, every moment I'm in the factory is a moment I'm not selling. Yes, right? exactly. Yep. Especially when I knew. But I have to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to let my babies and you and I've had this conversation when you own a brand and you're not the manufacturer, you got to stay on top of it. Yeah. You've been very hands-on like your approach. You've told me from day one. Yeah. And know it's funny now is when I go down there, I, they have the shipping schedules, the schedules, and they actually take out a piece of paper and pen and write shit down. Cause I freaking went ape shit. I get a call from Rocky. Rocky's like, I heard you're down the fact that this is the relationship. I go down there unattended. You're not going to see that with some of the other guys. Down there. Oh, I know. I go down there unattended and uh, Rocky goes, Rocky calls me and I go, oh shit. I guess he heard about the meeting we had down there. He goes, uh, he goes, you're pounding the table and you're handed out notepads and pens to everybody. I go, yeah, no, he takes notes down there. They asked me that recipe one more time. I'm going to freaking go crazy. He goes, well, guess what? They all take notes now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was a little embarrassed when I asked you, but you know, that that's the type of relationship that we have. <clears throat> you know, Nimish and I have been friends. I mean, I've been friends with all those guys. And you, you talk about mentors. Let's talk about Dave Bullock, you know, for instance. So uh, you know the history. So I was the youngest guy to hyper accelerate at that time in the industry that didn't, didn't, was not related to somebody. That's right. because of the Dave Bullock and, you know, Alan and I were talking about some of the greats that he's worked with Gene Tipton and all these guys, they all were willing to 
if you you know what people you know what people don't do, they don't ask for help. Yeah. And if you just ask, hey, how do you think about this? How would you frame that? What would you do there? And that's what happened. It made endearing. Like people were so excited that somebody was young when I was young right. uh, to learn that they were forthright with it. And we didn't give me recipes or other, any of those things. But, you know, it was just, and that's what makes this industry so special. I think. Yeah. So in that relationship, you know, and the relationship we have with them, yeah, oh, we could probably do something over in the, in, in the factory, yeah, in the Gomez factory that's owned by Macau. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. I don't know. Uh, but is there, there going to be some kind of crossover? Yeah. Like, what is it? we're not going to tell you. <laughs> we're not going to tell you when or when. We don't even know. Right. But it's, um, but I got the blessing. Like, I, I don't want to go anywhere. This right. is where you take all that education that Dan and I had. You throw it out the window. It drives one of my professors who I still talk to. Mm-hmm. Two decades later, he goes, you know, you have all your eggs in one basket. And you don't own something and you have everything in one basket. And I'm like, well, this is where the cigar industry is a little bit. So, and, you know, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm sick no. of saying, you know, I'm, I'm no. doing the stutter thing. But right, right. Know, no, yeah, no, what do you think? You know, Coop, from, from our perspective on the manufacturing side, being able to have other friends in manufacturing is very helpful. Sure. And we've we've had some great relationships with Placencia and AJ and a couple of people and to be able to have a new level of friendship with with Patel and their factories, you know, that's very valuable because a Back lot of up. people don't see on the the manufacturing side how how we all collaborate, you know. And it could be as simple as just a, a piece of machine breaking and being able to share that across the the different factories. It's, it's wonderful, and we feel completely blessed that Mickey had such a great relationship with them, and, and we'll get to benefit with that just as a good manufacturing partner in Estelite. Yeah, I'm going to learn a ton from Alan, too. So there's Because Alan's a little bit more hands-on with that because I'm more on the fabrication side with our relationship. And there, let's talk about tobacco. So I have access to most of Rocky's... Uh, uh, library of tobaccos, right? The other thing is sometimes I have to source tobacco. Firecracker is a great example. You know, we talked about that many times. Yep. Boom. Uh, we, we sourced it. Now, this, you know, one of my things, when I go down in December, I just want to make sure that I don't know yet how that works, who knows who from the two's factory. So, like, hey, if there's some tobacco, there's, you know, there's another relationship, a couple other relationships now that, you know, that have pre industry. And here's the beautiful thing is that. The McCalla factory is going to have its own personality. When you talk platoons and all that, I believe in platoons. And Tabacusa has its own platoon. There's a theory, there's a rumor that AJ Abdal has two to three platoons. <laughs> that's why he can go. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, he keeps that under a closed hat. I shouldn't be talking on behalf of another guy, but I, you know, I, I like Abdel a lot. So it's uh, he's always very generous with his time with me. It's usually talking football. He's, he he understands a lot. He, he understands a lot more English than he than he acts. Oh yeah, he, he, I could I, I learned that too. Yes, the way you get out of talking people. You don't want me to. I remember when George and I were growing up together. We he got out of grad school. We got out of college about the same time grad school, and he's going around the country. I'm at Georgetown Tobacco, and he's going around with his dad to introduce the anniversary series. Right, 
you know, because they, you know, the thousand series was already doing yeah. very well. And the old man, I don't speak English, but you would say something funny and he would start laughing. Uh, I saw it firsthand, Mickey, at the 2010 IPCBR. Yeah. Uh, him and Jonathan Drew were having a conversation and I was the fly on the wall. That's and awesome. it was it was in English. So yeah, it was well, the English. funny thing is when we're down the factories, I'm not fluent like Skip or whatever, you know. You know, yeah. they don't see fluent gringos. I'm just shy of functional, and that's gonna change with what I do in the morning before I start my day. Uh, but it's funny when they, they'll say something about how big I am or whatever, and I'm yeah, walking God, through God, God, Flacco. and I answer them in Spanish and they go, uh, oh shit. The, the gringo Shrek, you know, you know, yeah. you know understands what we're saying. Yeah. So. All right. So now you are at the step where you have to present this to your team, the team. Now, how did take me through a little of that? How did that process work in terms of how you how you delivered the news to the team now? Because this is a big change. And, and obviously you did inform your team uh, before this was made public, too, which was which was good. So how did that kind of go? No, cool. Uh, that's Frank that's and, game that tells that story. Uh, Frank and Mickey, um, I don't know, maybe one or two times we we sat and had workshops at, at McAuliffe headquarters. And I think that one of the things I, I really appreciated about them, because there's a lot of things you want to solve when you begin to do something like this. And there was an agreement that really they initiated that the, the change management and how we would programmatically work through this was, was incredibly important with the primary focus being, how do we talk to, to our team of representatives who are out all over the country? You know, and if you've ever been in a sales role, which we all have, you're kind of isolated. You don't know what's going on. Yep. And uh, it's a difficult, it's, it's a difficult life because you, you don't always know what the, the mindset at the headquarters is. So being able to set a call with them before we talk to any customers, you know, we had we had worked with you on a press date yep. because we needed that to be part of the rollout. Um, and we had we had a call with the team and we we hosted them. Um, we talked about what does being unified on a sales front mean. Um, you know, kind of had three columns of this is what unified means. Here's some examples. Um, these are things that we know are not part of being unified as a team because those would be like product manufacturing and things like that. And we were very honest that there was a, a third category of, we don't know how to think about this yet, you know? And we wanted to invite them into helping us solve how to make this work. And, you know, it's we have varying personalities on that team and some people uh, embrace quickly, some people, you know, rushed to Google Mickey's name because they were they were surprised by it. Um, but but the process itself is is to be iterative with that type of change management. Mm -hmm. To Mickey's credit, as as fast as it was announced, he had already booked trips with sellers uh, around the country. You know, in a quick two or three week period of time, he will have met everybody face to face, visited accounts. You know, those are the things that you look for to stack the deck in your favor when you're rolling something out. You know, you're going to break some stuff. It's unfortunate. Um, and nobody ever wants that to happen. But I, I think that we were able to have that. And 
you know, I've, I've done change management for nearly 30 years. And I, I think that we did an adequate job. You know, I never want to celebrate it like it's the greatest victory. Right. The, uh, the proof and the fruit, you know, how we how we begin to normalize as we head towards our open house. Uh, Mickey's going to be joining us and he's going to be hosting some time with the team. I think that getting to that will be very healthy for everybody involved. Did you ask uh, Mr. McAuliffe yet if I could come in on the on the company helicopter and then present me to everybody there? You know, land right there. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I drive Dan crazy with my little antidotes all the time. <laughs> no, so so obviously you know you you you've got you know well, it's been we're, pretty- we're we're still rolling that out to the guys. Yeah. we're yeah. still listen. The comfort zone is going to take a while. Listen, you know what? Hopefully, the comfort zone will kick in by our national sales meeting that we have in January which is going to create a lot of fun synergy. I mean, literally, we're going to get these guys jacked, ready to go, and then we're going to hit March with this, with the PCA, RTD, whatever it's called now. And, 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 and that's what gets me excited. Uh, and they'll have time to figure us out and what we're doing and us staying by our word. Like, I will tell you, like, one of the things that I'm, I'm telling these guys, to think that nothing's going to change is wrong. Right. I was, gonna, I was just going to ask that, yeah. Things are going to change, but we also want to make sure that you do not drink water from a fire hose. Sure. And that's the thing that, like, we we talk about, me, Dan, Amanda, uh, Frank, is that let's roll these things out that are cha- in digestible pieces. One of the greatest things I learned from John O'Osgener was all right, all right we're live because i they actually brought me in like a brew baker uh i managed the territory and then six months i was going to national sales manager just before i became vp and um i had so i came in i became national sales manager because there was a whole that there was a transition process to bring me in there and but immediately we went from a broker to a direct sales force that had a change. So that happened. Right. And uh, so I was sitting there with Condor and John and I, and he goes, what are you going to do? I goes, I go, John, I got a top 10. I'm coming in with, and he goes, what? I'm like, yeah, it's very easy. I got a top 10. I'm coming in with, he goes, you always have a top 10. What do you want to do with your sales force? He goes, you do not, you do not. I repeat, you do not do more than three things. And he goes, if you get them to do one thing, you got a B. You get them to do two things, you get an A. He goes, if you get all three of them done, you're a freak of nature. So it was very organic. The top 10 you want is very organic. Even, obviously, you know, talk, working with, with Dan and Amanda, there's things that, you know, being respectful of the brand that they own, because that is ownership, Right. Um, I try not to bombard them with things that I think that would make us a, a this a healthier situation, too. Um, but I am coming in October with a list, and they'll have a list for me too. So it's like uh, we're, we're, we're like we we we've, we've segmented every month between now and March, right? We, we're not doing a re, we're not doing a evolving no. So we're not adding April right now. We're, we're talking about what's what are we going to do between now and March? So when I say March is the, the reason that kicker was there is because of PCA, right? Yeah, exactly. 
So what are what are our markers? Where are, where are che- what are we going to have check ins? Like if you, I used to call it pregame and postgame. Dan likes to say check in and check out. Uh, so you no, know, that's the term we use: check in and check out. Is that it's very important for us? Are we hitting these markers? So, ironically, my wife is going to be in Dallas the first week of October, and I think my wife and Amanda are just going to get along amazingly. Uh, uh, and I wanted to meet Dan and the family that we're involved with. And I think we're trying to get Frank in for a day or a night, but coming in, uh, and, and his wife, AJ, but you know, the, the biggest thing is that we're, Hey, all right, you've traveled with everybody. You've seen a couple of events. Well, what do we do? Uh, what, what are you lacking on, uh, on systems? We're doing a systems, you know, on Friday, I'm out literally, literally going to stores and home Saturday and Sunday. Monday, I'm sitting in the house, and Dan and I are going over, getting my systems all set up. And then I'm spending two days with Andy in uh, Nash Vegas. We're going to go on sales calls. And since he's been working on some of these systems, we're going to do that together and then go out to Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. So we specifically have these things. And so that October thing, that, that's, you know, we're going to go, hey, how's it going so far? What do we think? What do we need to move? When you have an organization, organizations like we have that come under this one umbrella the fact that we can move these ships so fast and be nimble i think is amazing and mr mccallis is no bullshit guy dan is a no bullshit guy amanda is a no bullshit person so we get stuff done we can we can move the ship a lot faster yeah when you have like the resources that mccallis has you normally you would think hey it's it's hard to turn that ship Listen, that's not as big as Altadas or or or, or STG. I, I I get that, but the fact that 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 the organization that Dan's leading, and remember, Dan's got another life to run literally across the parking lot. Yes, <laughs> be able to move those ships that quickly. It's like Frank's got another life outside of uh, All Saints, but you wouldn't know it. Dan, would you agree? You wouldn't know it. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I don't feel like J Mac gets in the way of our conversations and talking to Andy, he's never felt that way. I think that's amazing. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I'm getting fired. I'm, getting, I'm no. just so excited. Like I wake no, up, like, it's like Christmas morning every day. No, it's, this is good. You know, this is, a, this is a question more for Mickey, but Dan, I'm definitely in, I want your input as well. You know, I think McAuliffe in the last few years that I've gotten to know him, they've done a lot of things out of the box, uh, very different. And I think there's two things that come to mind from how McAuliffe has operated uh, that company philosophically first is the incredible McAuliffe ambassadors group, which is, which. Yeah. Group. And the second is the position they've taken on catalog brands. Um, and I'm curious, what are your thoughts? How does that align in what, what all saints does? And um, I'm just kind of curious <laughs> to that. A little different. Uh, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. <laughs> no, I really do. But no, uh, I'll, let uh, Dan, I'll let Dan handle that question. Okay. You know, it's uh, it's been (laughs) fun watching the different type of leadership that Mickey provides. He he is calendar and result driven, and uh, I probably take a little broader view. Um, so so it's it's becoming a great partnership. I think the question that you're asking, Coop, is McAuliffe. We we have a very strong point of view on we're pro-family, we're pro-cigar rights, and we're pro-brick-and-mortar. 
an effectively a brick and mortar exclusive brand. Right. Um, but we recognize family owned brick and mortars often have an online presence. And we, we support that because because they play uh, they play fairly in terms okay. of pricing and specials that they run. I think that Mickey and I have had this conversation and he may have a broader interpretation today of some of the catalog business and that as we spend time together, all saints may, may shift their perspective some, they may not shift their perspective, but it's one of those ethos questions. It's part of our ethos at McAuliffe Cigars right. and how we operate. And I think that uh, Frank and Mickey, you know, they're, they're a couple years younger and you're just driving as hard as you can to, to make those sales and set up those first customer relationships. And I think that, you know, they certainly can operate because they're their own company and how they want to position some things. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if our perspective rubs off on them. No, that's good. I mean, I don't expect that you would guys would if there was a difference, right? Well, certainly there are. There's got to be differences in terms yeah, of the philosophy. Yeah, of course, there's differences. I, I, I know that wasn't all going to be solved in one on one one swoop. Yeah. So, so, so Mickey, Mickey yeah. What, what I shared is that you know we have the strong point of view at McAuliffe about selling to brick and mortars only. But right. I was saying that you know you and Frank have been working as hard and growing as fast as you can, and. You, you may end up with a different point of view for All Saints Cigars. We may end up with the same point of view, but it's one of those things that we get to explore and work on over time. No, this is, this is where cross-coaching and cross the, the, the bromance and the brotherhood, the, the, the academia part and the business acumen part of it is. So are we in some catalogs? Absolutely. Do we hide it? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that they're all in here in the Met pricing, and they are... People, when I tell retailers that the All Saints portion is in there, because I haven't had that conversation, you know, with a, a combined, uh, you know, two shields in one meeting type yep. deal. Um, and uh, they have no problem with those guys you know, that, that I'm talking about because right. they adhere to the, that. Uh, and quite frankly, you, know, you look at somebody like Famous has given us a lot of positive visibil visibility. Sure. And, you know, you know, I, I just use them example because my relationships with Umberto from the from the old days, Arthur and all those guys, people I really enjoyed and, and trust, you know, and, and there's other examples out there that the only reason I talked about them was because that's the oldest one relationship I have, you know, from that from the old days. We had a lot of fun creating together. And I think. So yeah, we're gonna learn, and there's there's uh, there's other things too. There's other synergistic things where I know some of our customers uh, are going, oh shit, they're gonna talk, and uh, <laughs> Mickey's deal is a little bit better than Danny's deal. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, but yeah. From my perspective, you know, there's there's a lot of things that happen in the cigar industry that not every consumer gets to see. Yep. You know, when you build a cigar. And it's just not a winner. What do you do with those cigars? You know, and typically yeah. the the catalog businesses have been where those cigars go, right? To, to be able to clear them out. Yeah, but you, you know? got to watch that. When you start dancing like that, you got to give them something too, and which I don't have a problem with, as long as I trust that relationship, and they're not going to hurt the, the brick and mortar. Yeah. And yeah. also, there's, there's an evolution from coming to market, staying in the market, and growing in the market. To have that whatever so but yes we are very b&m driven uh 
company both ways, I would say, Dan, is that correct? Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we completely are. And, you know, I, I guess the thing that I've had to learn is how to deal with some of those other problems as a manufacturer, that, that without having the industry experience and somebody like Mickey to talk about different solutions, boy, it would have been great when we uh, were talking about when we trim back the bold portfolio, you know, how we were going to do it. And we, we were able to develop an innovative solution where we were able to really sell into the brick and mortars at a discounted rate. Um, and they consumed much of that product. And then we're going to be uh, gifting it to, to Cigars for Warriors in their mission to be able to distribute it that way instead of ending up in a catalog position where where they're not playing fair with the ecosystem. So, so you, guys, you want to have a little fun right now? Give me some insight how the sausage is made because I this is a big question that I have for Dan that I noticed going out. So one of the things the sales guys know what I want to do is I want to know what the square footage of that of the humidor is. So I want to take simple notes. Square footage of the humidor. 10 by 10. Do they have uh, standalones too? Whatever. Mm -hmm. How many faces are in there? That's it. I don't I don't want pictures right now. I don't want any of that. Just just know your business, especially your A accounts. So traveling for this week, the biggest thing is like when I did face counts, I did amount of um, McAuliffe faces and McAuliffe discontinued faces. So the bold. My big question to Dan, and we don't, don't have to answer on air, but I'll give you insight of the kind of communication we have. And I, I'm not afraid to ask this on air because I don't believe we should always have open conversations uh, with especially the media and consumers. What are we going to do when I see an average of four to six to seven faces that these people know are being discontinued because they bought it? How are we going to retain that shelf space? I was actually going to ask that. My whole so, uh, good, but and yeah. that's uh, right now. That's the number one question I want to yeah. have a conversation with Dan and Amanda about. Because, all right, what's a transition plan? Can we come up with something unique to do it? Of course, the selfish side of me is like, "Ooh, that's a good place for all saints." <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I was actually thinking that that's where I was thinking with that too. It's a, yeah, it's but a, it's got to be fair and equitable. So, so let, yeah, let, yeah. let me share a couple of perspectives, and I, I've never talked about this publicly in terms of a uh, number of cigars that we sell. Sure, it's an interesting decision when you take five blends or five lines off the market, and those five lines had maybe 24 different SKUs that went with them. And so when we took Bold off the market, the bet that we had made was on McAuliffe Black. And so now we're after PCA, and I can look at the data, and I can ask the question, which sold more? The Bold line, all five lines and 24 SKUs, or McAuliffe Black, which is only two SKUs? Any guesses? Aaron, you're a smart guy. What I'm sure think? the black cleared up with the two SKUs, right? So. Yeah. You're right. It yeah. was 2.8 times. So when you make portfolio choices, they're big bets to be able to do it. Yeah. And so by being able to create something that, that moves faster off 
a retailer shelf. So it's got more velocity. That's good for us and the retailer. And then with Mickey and All Saints having additional footprint that we'd like to put on the shelf, it sounds like a winning combination to be able to have high, higher velocity products in the channel that are more focused from the McAuliffe side, and then being able to bring All Saints in on the shelf space. And I think that's going to open up and create some very exciting conversations for us and our sales team as we move forward. Yeah. And then on top of it too, the gist, I could be wrong. The gist of like a lot of these bolds, they got them because they got them on deal. Quality product, whatever happened, they got them on deal and it's a good price to the consumer. So will all saints be too high of a price point to, to put that in it? Because you know, that smart retailer has different places for different price points and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know. That's, that's questions that, we but I think table. This is the chessboard that we're getting to play now, which creates more opportunities for right. both All Saints Cigars and McAuliffe. Right. And Quite frankly, I don't care what we put there from either team, because this is all going to pan out. As long as we don't lose, we get shrinkage on, on the shelf space. Yeah. And, you know, there's certain retailers who have different strategies, too. It was very interesting in, in closing out a line on what retailer decisions they made. You know, we can talk about cutters in Florida where he absolutely doubled or tripled down on the bold because he has the inventory space to be able to manage it and thinks that there's our ambassadors who've really enjoyed that product. He thinks that there's a, a period of time where he'll be able to sell it for, for a very long time. And it's just, it's interesting how different retailers created different options. And that's the fun of business and being in a market that's very vibrant and vivid, you know? I feel blessed that we get to play this game every day. That's yeah. true. That's true. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Of course, I'm, I'm seeing all the. Of course, I'm seeing all the best accounts, just like I used to do when I was a sales rep. But yep. you're talking like twelve, like like so when I when I do these face counts and Dan Dan, you've seen my notes, right? No, they're excellent. And I'm seeing, uh, and I'm like, oh, I need to add this to it, like. Have they done the tobacconist program yet? Have they done this program yet? Or how how are we growing the ambassador program? I know we talked about it before. So I'm gonna we're talking about like how we're gonna the All Saints crew, the K-R-E-W-E crew. You know, and looking at these things and looking at these variables and what can we do to maximize yeah. all you you weren't gonna solve this at all in one day either. So I mean no. I think you guys recognize that but we're transparent and we, we don't bullshit about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Just tell the guy, just tell the sales guys what's going on and do it and have open conversation and we're going to learn and get better. Same way we did it at CAO, the same way when we went from a broker to a direct sales force at Davidoff. You know, it's just don't be afraid to ask for knowledge. Don't, you know, listen, you're going to get a lot of bullshit around it. You know, I have, I have three daughters and my wife is the oldest of three girls. You know, and every sentence starts with "you should" and "why don't you." So I understand how to process that. Uh, but you get some nuggets out of there, right? You just keep going. Yep. Okay, guys, I'm going to ask you guys. We're going to turn to some fun questions here. Not that this wasn't fun, because this was great. But I'm going to turn this to some fun questions here. And the first question is: This is our ties that bind question, and it's brought to you by Tobacco ASA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Hudetta. H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco area USA, great things are happening here. 
I'm going to name three things to you, okay? And you got to tell me what they all have in common, right? And I'm probably, I'm looking for something specific with these three things, okay? And actually, they're names I'm going to give you. And I will say that, that this is not far out of the wheelhouse of the discussion tonight. So I'm going to name three names. They're the names of, they're the first names of people, okay? And the first name, the first name is Lewis. The second name is Antonio. And the third name is Paul. And Aaron does not know the answer to this question either. So, Lewis, Antonio, and Paul. And Paul, what do they all have in common? They're all saints. That's the first part. Yes. That was going to be my answer. Yep. Now, I'm looking for something. (laughs) And and the second question, the second they have in common is freaking Gurkha probably has all the trademarks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They're, They're saints. Yes. What do they, there's something more they have in common. So Lewis, Lewis, Paul, well, Paul's Paul, a pain in the ass to Peter. So uh, it's not, it's not a religious. Well, it may, they're it's all really, on the same river, aren't they? St. Louis, St. Paul. And I guarantee <laughs> I can find an Anthony that's on it. You, you are on the right track. They're not on the same river, but you are on the right track. You just they're said St. St. Louis Saint train Paul. stations. They're all gas stations. They're all, but well, they're all kind city. Of, that's correct. They're all yeah, cities I, in the I U.S. Was, named after saints. They're all cities and, in the U.S. in the Midwest. Yeah, they're actually all in the Central Time Zone, I believe, too. Correct. Yeah, but they're all cities in the U.S. named for saints. San Antonio, San San is the saint one. So let me let me. Uh, that that's great. I love that. So everybody else in the industry calls those flyover states. You know what we call it? Fly-in states. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody wants to chase the big swinging out there. Yeah. Same way we grew CAO, same way we grew the other ones. Go to these smaller communities that really want to embrace people like us, uh, like All Saints and and, 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 and McAuliffe, and build up. Don't build out. Like, everything Sun Tzu said, you build up. You know, you know never, never shoot up. It's just it's the same. And the way that we're uh, looked at in those communities, they're like, oh, it's funny to see somebody here in the flyover states. And they talk about that themselves. And I'm like, I call it the flying states because I come in, you, you roll up the red carpet. We have this, we have that. And people want to know what's going on. And it's just, it's so endearing. And, and I love it. Listen, I love the big markets too, but you got to grow at the right time. Yep. Yep. All right, that was good. Good job, guys. All right, so the next question, this is our cattle baron uh, steak question of the night, but it's actually related oh, okay. to meat tonight. Okay. So I'm the, just before you answer this. It's not a steak I'm question. The, I'm, gonna... I'm the only person in the whole portfolio with our umbrella that doesn't own a ranch. So Okay, it's not, this is not steak related at all. It's <laughs> meat related. Okay, now you there's a there's a member the of your cattle team. baron, didn't you? Cattle baron, but meat meat is cattle, okay? Um, so it's gonna count for meat. Chicago. So a, well, hang on. So there's a person on your team, okay, that has a love of pub subs. Okay. Which Mickey and I refer to as, there's not it's it's it, there's a word for that. It, and the word Mickey is 
It's not pub sub. It's, it's a hoagie. It's a hoagie. Do you know who okay. had the best answer today on that? Who? Did you see Red, uh, Fred Rui's comment today? No, I didn't. So I go, this is the no pub sub portion of the all gas, no brakes tour. Uh-huh. And he goes, yo, Mickey, I love a pub sub. And I start laughing. I go, yeah, I go, I eat hoagies. He I goes, hope. that's what I eat when I'm waiting in line to get my pub sub. So it was a really <laughs> good response. All right. So, so my question for, and Aaron, I want you to answer this one too. Okay. What is your ideal hoagie, pub sub, whatever you want to call it, your your favorite type of sandwich? What do you guys want on that sandwich? And by the way, we all know it's Alan who is the pub sub fan. Just, you know, Alan Rubin. So we, we, we give him credit there. Well, I like uh, well, see, Aaron lives in California, so does it. So like, that's why I'm curious about this from Aaron's point of view. <laughs> you put some of that California oregano on your sub, on your, on your hoagies? No, I, I don't participate. No, I'm kidding. So, answer something, Aaron. Yeah. Well, I know oh, I'm going first? I, no, you can. Okay. But if Aaron wants to go first, he can go first. Uh, I'll go first. Like, sure. Yeah, go for um, it. Yeah. I mean, I like all kinds of different sandwiches. I'm not, I don't have like a, a I'm all set in one, but uh, I dig uh, pastrami. Um, you know, I'm a big pastrami fan, so I could do pastrami or I'll do like a more like an Italian style. So you can have some pastrami in there, but mix it up with some other Italian meats. But um, yeah, that that's kind of how I'd roll. All right, we'll go to Dan next. I, I don't even really understand what a hoagie means. Any type of, it's a sandwich. <laughs> sub sandwich. It's a submarine sandwich. So, you're in New England. It's a wedge. You're, you know. So favorite sandwich, uh, Patrio's Italian beef in Chicago. That's an incredible, by the way, we just had a Chicago place open and they have the ones with the Italian beef wrapped around the sausage in Charlotte. Oh. Nick, I just found this place That's by vintage. Killer. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Unbelievable. We call those tacos in Texas. <laughs> so, Coop and I will go, like, the last time we ate together, when I had to drive back or something, and I said to Coop, I go, where are we going to eat? Oh, Coop, can we get together for lunch? He goes, yes. Then it took us two hours going back and forth. And I don't know where he took me. I can't remember the name of the place. Took me, Cowfish. Like, Cowfish. Yeah, it was awesome. That was when I had my tooth extracted that weekend. I couldn't smoke. Yeah. <laughs> so we ate. and st- I had to eat something very soft that day, I remember. Yeah. Oh, all right. So who's next? You're next. I'm next. Yep. All right. So I have a couple answers. Uh, my favorite hoagie is made of Bocellas in Havertown, where I live. Right outside there is uh, that used to be my favorite cheesesteak, right? Or steak sandwich. Just west of there in Broomall, easy drive is a place called Delco Steaks. So the county that I live in, mm-hmm. Delaware County, is called Delco. Yep. It's got its own personality. I mean, they, they absolutely, make, absolutely. They make, they, they make series, TV yep. series. Yep. Matter of fact, I live in uh, McElnary's old, uh, his cousin's old house. You know, from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philly. Yep. And uh, he owns the soccer team with Ryan Reynolds. So I know him because of that. My daughter's a rowers. His cousin that lived there was a rower, was an Olympic rower. Uh, it's just kind of funny. That's how Philly is. I mean, I've seen fights on what neighborhood 
I'm not talking about downtown Philly. I'm I'm talking in the in the county. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. The neighborhood that said they get little, literally fist fights over who has the best cheesesteak in in Hoagie. Yep. Whether it's the Italian Hoagie, it's a now. So my favorite chain is Primos. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I told you, Mickey, there's one in Myrtle Beach, if you're down there too. No, they're probably coming. Yeah. And it's just trust me, it's 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 the same quality. If I go to Myrtle Beach too soon, Dan's gonna wonder what my commitment is to the industry. <laughs> <laughs> there's some cigar shops down there, no? Two. Now maybe two, yeah. May, uh, I uh, yeah, I shouldn't say that because I'm actually stronger in a couple of those fringes. That's what I was gonna say, and I think McAuliffe's in a couple of those too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, down in um, yeah, I think we're that's a couple we have across. Yeah, the Cass family and all that stuff. Yeah, yep, so, yep. Yeah, because uh, Cass family just brought in McAuliffe to all their locations. Yep, yep. So you will see them. Sept- so if you're any Charlotte listeners or any uh, South Carolina listeners, uh, I, their targetish date is uh, September first. Getting they haven't been in inventory. I'm pretty damn sure they haven't been in inventory. Uh, so I know how Craig works and I know how Dan works. Uh, so they're in possession of this and, uh, September 1st is their target day between all the stops. Nice. But I agree with you on the Primo's Italian hoagie. Um, I will also say that VNS deli in, in Boca Raton. Oh, the Diablos are unbelievable. Yeah. They do that at Turkey too. Yeah. They do it with tuna as well. We're not, I know it, but yeah. I'll eat tuna. Yeah. But uh, the turkey is unbelievable. But my favorite sandwich is a Hebrew deli, uh, pastrami, brisket, and tongue with, with, with golden brown mustard on it on rye. I mean, tongue, like cow tongue? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, you don't, don't want to have an all tongue sandwich, is what I would advise. But, but a couple of slices in there, it really is. It's, it's, it's magic. Trust the me. The guy that I played um, semi pro with. He was Greek, and he would eat a tongue sandwich, and it was the freaking tongue. His mother would make the sandwiches and like tenderize the tongue. He goes, "Here, take a bite." I'm like, you know, listen, I'm I'm pretty adventurous, <laughs> but I I'm not rolling down this street. Then you just want a thin slice on, and you want more of the pastrami. Yes, and, and after that, I enjoyed it. It was thin sliced. You're yeah, you gotta have it. a thin slice. That's the way you have it. You don't want it to dominate the scent. It's like a blend. You don't want a certain tobacco dominating the blend. That's why I say with tongue, you just want a small amount of it on there. You don't want a lot. So, so Coop, you're coming to open house this year? Yes. So, just a word of advice, because the food is amazing. Michael uh-huh. is, I, I think, in charge of the barbecue for this. Uh huh. From you know, from under that Riata uh, portfolio, you right? Know, one of the, so I have a, I have a little index so I can keep track of all the McAuliffe right. portfolios. But uh, if you look at the, this Riata thing, I'm addicted to uh, this Michael, Amanda's brother, who's getting married too, I think, right? Uh, wait till you tell. <laughs> now, I wasn't at the previous open house, but between listening to the ambassadors and the staff and then eat, eating, Riata is like my new addiction right now. 
That's Dan, why. I mean, that's absolutely why I want to go to the dinner that night too. Yeah. And so, like, so Dan and I, we might have ten minutes to talk, and then I just will just talk about Riata. He's like, God, Mickey, we're trying to build a company here, you know. So, uh, build a business. Oh my yeah. God! Wait yeah. till. And Michael is so, and he hangs on every word that uh, Amanda says. He's just awesome, and he's competitive as all get up. Nice. So Dan said, so what were we guys talking about? He goes, I will be in the kitchen figuring this out. What was it when we had dinner? We Remember were that? talking about how to make a burner simple syrup. Oh, ice cream. Yeah, we wanted right. to make the simple syrup so we could make a burner's ice cream. And he goes, I'll have this done by tomorrow. <laughs> it was delicious. I haven't had it yet, but yeah. <laughs> nice. Dan lives just down the street. <sighs> All right. So, guys, we have two more small segments. They're not as long as the first segment. Um, I'm just going to do a sponsor where if you need to stretch for a minute. Um, and then we'll, we'll get into that. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah. All right. So, first, I want to mention uh, JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of Scots, Cuba, the leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate. It fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamistron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aro took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds, and in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and his son Husto bring their very own brand to market, and each contain that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Limited Edition, a true limited edition. And as always, they all represent the Golden Age of Cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. Now, I mentioned Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take fact that they're cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best premium uh, selection of the rarest and finest cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Altidus, Drew Estate, and Aganorsa Leaf. They have the best selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount cigar prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes Magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at their website or visit one of Corona's five central Florida cigar superstars and cigar stores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And we get into our Alec Bradley uh, Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live true. So, guys, in this segment, we're going to have a little more fun. Can I, can um, I just interrupt this for one second? Yes. So I haven't been looking at my phone. Dan and are like, oh, we'll text each other. We're like doing it. Nothing. So my wife has been blowing up my phone during this whole thing. This is all for my mind, my wife. Button one of the top buttons on your shirt. Stop rubbing your eyes. <laughs> Doing great. Just divulge less. Less divulging. Giving secrets and too much asking him questions, which should be more behind the doors. Traditional hoagie meats, prosciutto, provolone, soprata, lettuce, tomato, oil, vinegar. Absolutely. She's right on that last one. I agree with her. Yep. At all? Uh, the hoagie, of course. <laughs> Oh shit! I'm yeah. in trouble. 
All right. So these are questions. Now, one interesting thing about your union, okay, is the cities that you guys originate from or the metro areas that you originate from. And and it's Nikki, you're a Philadelphia guy. Dan, you're a Dallas Metroplex guy. And we play Fort Worth in there, too, of course. No, no. Right. Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Okay. But there's a, let's put it like this. You know, when it comes to football season, I've never seen, I, I, we, I know we, Aaron and I have talked about the baseball rivalries, but at least the 14 years I lived in Philly, I never saw a, a, a bitter rivalry like the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys have had. Um, I've seen incidences where a guy was with a Dallas Cowboys sticker on his car was snowed in by a snowplow. Well, they actually caught that on the air once. I saw them take a chainsaw and, and, cut a Troy Aikman blow up doll off in the parking lot. I mean, it, it is some serious. So I thought I'd have a little fun with both of your cities. These aren't really football questions tonight, but, but the two cities, I think have a, a good rivalry. And I think it's kind of cool how you guys have both come together. So I kind of, I kind of like that. All right. So I have the seven questions I'm going to ask you guys. <laughs> All right. And Dan, you may, or may, if you can't answer and Mickey, you can't answer, you say, I can't answer it. And that's fine. But my first question is, which city has the better airport, Philadelphia or DFW for the Dallas Metroplex, Fort Worth Metroplex? Who do you want to answer, Coop? We direct us. Yeah, uh, you go, you go, think. Dan, you go first, and then Mickey will go, and I'll direct you on each of these. Well, DFW is a world class airport. Uh, I have to agree and disagree. So I do agree. If if you don't know how to if you don't how if you don't know how to travel in Philadelphia, I agree. I know it. Plus the head of TSA there uh is <laughs> is a cigar smoker and he shops at the shop that's half mile from my house. So if they do take something from me, I'm saying give it to this person because I know I'm gonna get it back sooner or later. Uh DFW. The only thing I don't like about DFW uh, is the fact it just takes forever from when you see the sign to when you get dropped off. Getting out of that airport, if the driver that's picking you up knows what to do, like Dan says, one time I conned him into picking me up from the airport. I was like, can you see the sky or can you see a roof? And uh, (laughs) it's just literally you walk out a door. If you check luggage, it's right there. You walk out another door, and boom, you're picked up. Hey, Coop, I want to amend my my answer. Right. DFW is by far the international hub. To be able to travel anywhere in the world from DFW is amazing. The other airport that we have is Love Field. You know, Jay Davis Shop Blue Smoke is, is right next to Love Field. And so we're actually very fortunate to have the great Southwest regional travel and the international at DFW. So I, I feel like as a city, we just have incredible options. So, so yeah, you, not only better airport, but better options. Yeah, uh, the one thing I like about Philly airport is it's much easier to get a rental car than at DFW. It's time-wise much quicker. Well, but also if you don't learn a little secrets, like, you know, uh, when you're traveling, maybe you want to travel out of F gate. And yeah, I was just going to say that. Yes. It's actually better to go to law. If you travel in and out of F gate, it's just actually better to go to long-term parking uh-huh. 
than it is to even use the valet service. I, or, I, I have done that service. when I go there. Yeah, and I have done you that. Cross that little street and you're yep. right in there. And yep. the pre-TSA is just yeah, a joke. Yep. All right. This next question is directed at each of your home areas. And, you know, there's always a, every city or metro has a favorite sun. Okay. Um, you know, for example, I'll give you an example of, of Charlotte. I would say Ric Flair is the city's favorite son. I will just Ooh. tell you that. Right. I want to know the favorite son of, and you could answer this for Fort Worth, Dan, uh, or the Metroplex. And Mickey, I want to know who you think Philadelphia's favorite son is. And it could be living or dead, whatever you want, however you want to do, it's fine. So I'm going to start this one off with Mickey. Ben Franklin, he smokes cigars naked. <laughs> Your wife's got he had beautiful it. locks of hair, like my 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 DFW, my Fort Worth, yep, brother. Who owns a ranch too, by the way. Yep, I'm like the poorest guy in this operation. Yep. yep. All right, Dan. How about you? Uh, Fort Worth favorite sons or Dallas? Um, you you've kind of stumped me. I mean, we just don't have the history that Philadelphia does. You know. We're, we're relatively new cities. Fort Worth is now the 11th largest in the country. Uh, but the people that I would name may be very famous here, but nationally wouldn't be known at all. You know, you've got okay. the, uh, go ahead. Yeah, whatever you want to answer, it's fine. Yeah, there's no, wrong answer. There's no you know, wrong answer. There's people like Eamon Carter. And Eamon Carter owned all of the newspapers between Fort Worth and the Rocky Mountains. And he was one of the families that created American Airlines and DFW. So very prominent people, but perhaps not the same national names that you would get from Philadelphia, where it's so much more historic. Nice. I think the correct answer is Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. Someone said J.R. Ewing. Uh, I stand corrected. I want, but, and I want to hold up the J.R. Ewing comment. J.R. Ewing's going to come into play with this a little, a little in another question. So just I want to hold that question. If I wanted to raise wusses, I wouldn't have named my kid Texas Ranger, Chip. <laughs> All right. Jacked up a Mountain Dew. All right. All right. This next question is, you got to tell me if it's over this number or under this number, okay? And there was a study done uh, by bestplaces.net. So don't cheat with the answer. And it said the average commute time for someone in the U.S. to go to, from their home to work is 27 minutes. And I want to know, Dan, for the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area and Mickey for the Philadelphia area, is it over or under that number commute time? And this what, is by automobile. This is by automobile. I want to make it clear. 37 was the number? 27. 27. Is, is Dallas and Philadelphia over or under that number? I can't speak for Dan, but who gives a shit? You light a cigar and drive. <laughs> I love driving with Dan. He's got this beautiful brown leather that I really love, like a quarter of it. It's a car that he's probably had for a long He's a car guy, but not like a car. Like, uh, And it's just a beautiful car. And we smoke cigars and we have fun. And, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know even what the travel time is uh -huh. when we're together. It's just, it seems short because it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah, 20, yeah, 27 minutes is the average so, for the U.S. So for DFW, there's two groups of people. There's people that work in their local municipality, uh -huh. and, and they don't have a commute time. Right. But people who do commute, it's definitely over 27 minutes. Okay. I want to give you the answers. Philadelphia is I will, tell you this. Oh, I will tell you this. It's 21 minutes 
door to door to PHL, which is my commute to work. Right. But for the average person in Philadelphia, it's 33 minutes. Now for, for the Metroplex area, it's Why actually called the Metroplex. I've never heard because that. Because it's a, it's a metropolitan area we're referring to it as. Okay. It's like greater New York, but yeah. we call it Metroplex. Yeah. yeah for, for the Metroplex area, it's even at 27 minutes with the national average. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with the experts. Clearly, they know more than we do. Yep, I said that this is, uh, yeah. <laughs> I could tell you, anybody that I know that commutes, it's closer to an hour. Oh, I, yes, I said, I think, I think some of that local stuff, Dan, probably is what balanced it out. Sure. Yep, so I think it's the answer with that. And not, not being too funny, what, what, what is Atlanta? Because that traveling around Atlanta, Atlanta has not changed since when I had to come down here all the time. Well, uh, I will pull that up there if you want. Yeah. And Aaron, in the Bay Area, I guess you all use public transit, right? No, not even close. Uh, most people are driving. Oh, I know down near San Jose, it's a nightmare. Yeah, traffic here is pretty bad. So, you don't go very far, but it takes a long time. Yeah. So, Aaron, what's the commute from your chair to your refrigerator? Mm, I'd say about 23 seconds. Huh. Yeah, I would have gone a little higher. I got you. Yep. The uh, well, the commute time is. Let's pull. I have it up here. And it's thinking it is. How did I don't? Th- th- Atlanta only got twenty eight minutes. That's bullshit. You gotta be counting. Some, that's crazy. There's something not right with that. Okay. It takes me and Alan twenty eight minutes just to get to the car. I mean, about. yeah. That's that's a uh, uh, all right. <laughs> All right, let's go to another no, question. Hey, hey, Coop, you know, there's, there's like one point that people just don't understand. Um, I can't remember if it's Rhode Island or Connecticut, but the Metroplex is bigger than one of those two. Oh, I it's mean, definitely, I definitely Rhode Island. Yeah, it's it, it's a Connecticut's pretty big. It's like a hundred. It's, like it's a five-hour drive from the, you know, northeast end to the southwest corner. It's it's a I'll, long I'll have way. to look to see if Connecticut does fall in that. I mean, definitely bigger than Rhode I, Island. I, I, I could be wrong. I don't know all my states, but yeah. the space here is massive. Yeah. Coop, speaking of uh speaking of commutes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Wait, go back <laughs> again. Da, 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 da. There you go. Absolutely. Uh good job, Mickey. Good job, Mickey Peg. Where's one of our coins? There, it's 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 in my office upstairs. Huh. I brought it last time. I thought you'd be a little bit more prepared. Well, there's no confirmation. I don't yeah. see it. No, I should have. I should have been prepared on that. Good. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I could have been prepared. On. All right. Next question. The so, best so. event, okay, that your city that has ever come to your city. It could be a sporting event, a concert, or anything else. Um, you can answer from a personal standpoint or. Just a city impact. What is the best sporting event or con- no best event? Sporting, concert, whatever. It's come to your area, Dan. Well, I know depends what, Mickey- what you're into. If if you're into golf, the Colonial Golf Tournament. Yeah. What what would be what stuff. would it be for you? What would it be for you that hey this came to our hometown? People and- come to Fort Worth. You want to go to the rodeo? Okay. You no, know, it's a three week long. Each night, maybe bull riding or or roping. Yeah. But it's a, it's a it's a unique experience that you won't find in other places except for like Wyoming, Calgary. So the rodeo is a great event that's hosted here. Good. How about you, Mickey? Well, everybody knows that I am uh, I'm Philly by adoption. 
Right. So, so, and I was too when I lived there. Yes. Yeah. So I grew up in Florida, but I say the greatest event, one of the greatest events that's ever happened in the history of the world. That's that's a little, that's aggressive. I know. I know you're going to answer too. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you might as well answer it. But uh, live, live aid. Live aid. Yeah. yeah it has I mean, to be live so, aid. It has to be live aid. Yeah. Because obviously I'm friends with a lot of those people. And my wife, my yeah. wife was actually there. You know, everybody says they were at Woodstock. Uh, I believe my wife was there with her uncle Michael, who's just like Uncle Michael's. Speaking of sliders, yeah. he's uh, about six months. No, he's a year and a half older than me. So whatever. And yeah. they went there to that. And I still hear the stories about it. Um, Mike, now let's, my greatest experience in Philadelphia is on August 7th, 1999, I married Kimmy Peck, my bride. There you, wow. There you so go. That, that was uh happy belated anniversary, by the way. That's uh, oh, thank you. 24 years. Yeah. Well, we spent 12 of them in a hotel room. Everything works out just fine. <laughs> All right. The ne the next question, I want to know the bigger cultural impact. So this is not you. You can answer answer for either city. Bigger cultural impact, the movie Rocky, or the TV show Dallas. I think internationally the TV show Dallas, but domestically Rocky. I think that's a fair. That's how I would answer. That. Uh, I'll get my balls busted, but I got to say Dallas. Dallas was huge, I remember, and if I remember correctly, Vegas had a line on it. Yep. And what fucked it up was because they aired it at the same time, or no, West Coast had it before, you know, when you found yep. out who shot. Yep. And, and even before internet spread, yep. For me as a kid, I think it was the first movie that I jumped up, young kid. And I was like, yeah. and I ended up yeah. going to boarding school in that town at Valley Forge Military Academy, marrying a Philly girl, and then just absolutely fall in love with the area. So, yeah, after growing up in Florida, you know, yeah, so. Dallas had big watch parties when I went to college on Friday nights at the student center. So they were that everyone would get in the students. And then by the time I went to college, it was yeah. I mean, I was a kid when the Dallas came. Yeah, out. but but Bob, I was in college when Bobby Ewing came out of the shower alive again. That was uh, that was right. that was J who shot Jr. I was a kid. I was I was like I wasn't I in high school. What? You look good for seventy. Uh, thank you. It's so <laughs> funny to hear you guys talk about Dallas because to us, you know, it's like a, a funhouse mirror of life in Texas. Yep. So I, I think it, it may resonate more outside the state of Texas than than we view it. Yep. Oh yeah, it was a small ranch, but also. I love Fort Worth. <laughs> I love Weatherford too. <laughs> I'm sure you do. All right. This is another cultural impact question. And you can answer it to ease of city. Texas style chili, which we know doesn't have beans, or Philadelphia cheesesteak, which is the bigger cultural food impact wise? For, for me, it's the chili. Uh, I'm sure it. Yep. I, 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 if we look at the internet post chasing Terrence's terrible cheesesteaks, <laughs> you you would think, but I think that's a, a, not a leading. 
it, it's I don't not think that's a reflection of reality. Yeah, he does that just to have with people. So, yeah, and he finally uh, he went he went to gyms this past week and he redeemed himself. So <laughs> that was a big move he made. But, but he went to the gyms that didn't burn down. Right. Chile's yeah. pretty big here in Texas. I know it's big. That's why I'm asking that. Yeah. My son just got back from a uh, a week in Austin. So uh, he just was out there with you his friends. I, I don't know the answer because I, yeah. I do like beans uh, and I like chili with beans and without beans. So I, I, I probably just this antichrist myself and all I, I i'm mickey i like them both ways too there's room for beans and not beans but i, no, I, I, I know it's a religious war the, i do prefer the beanless i will tell you and when i first moved to havertown when i married kimmy in two months i gained 30 pounds because an integral part of my diet was having a cheesesteak a day. <laughs> when I moved into the area, so, it was, yeah, that, I that, was, that, that was like that, that was like twenty years ago. So <laughs> what, what I'll say is, what I'm trying to think about with my travels: do I see more Texas style chili, or even chili? Give all the credit to Texas on a menu, or do I see cheesesteaks on a menu? And I got to be honest with you: I see more chili. And I would even micro it down to Texas South Chili cheesesteaks. Listen, I've been around everywhere, and everybody claims to have the best cheesesteak outside of Philly. The best cheesesteak I had outside of Philly was in London at Passyunk, and uh, right right by the London Eye. That was the best one wow. ever. It was an eighteen dollar cheesesteak, <laughs> you know, that was three inches. You know, it was an Irish cheesesteak, you know, or whatever. But uh, I think I see chili more. I, and I got to tell you, like, uh, like, so if you go to Philly, I belong to Landart Country Club, as everybody knows, because I talk about it all the time. It's just one of my favorite places in the world. You, you go out there, everybody has snapper soup on every menu uh, out there. But you see chili. I mean, you always see soup and you see chili. So, again, this is what drives Dan crazy and other guys. <laughs> ask me what time it is and I build you a watch. Uh, you don't know if it's going to be a pocket watch or a wrist watch or an Apple watch. Uh, but, no, so I have to go with chili. Sorry. Okay. I had to think through that. It is very big. I mean, that's what I mean. It's very big. I, I don't disagree with you on that. Soup from I am an Eagles fan. There's chili contest. There's chili making contests and stuff yeah and so I, from I, a hospitality yeah. perspective you'll do well here because chili properly served doesn't have beans but you'll have a side bowl of your beans yeah exactly exactly so there's but, room for everyone there you go awesome right, so, you're going to the riata dinner on friday night yes i gave I, andy my name i gave andy the name yep we're on i'm gonna give you an inside right now uh-huh do not fucking eat for two days. <laughs> okay. Like, sustain on like water and Gatorade. Maybe a little bit of popcorn. Because everything they put in front of you is so freaking delicious. That like you start going like, oh, I got to hit the grits. I got to hit the mac and cheese. Like, uh, uh, I mean, it's just amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, the last question is a trivia question. It's a tough question. I want to see if you guys can get it. When did Dallas run the city of Philadelphia? What does that mean? 
Dallas, yeah, that's what you got to figure out. A Dallas run the city of Philadelphia. It happened. Oh, uh, you talking about Goddard, our tight end? Nope. But I am talking about person. I don't even know. I, 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 I am talking about a person named Dallas. There was a Dallas that ran the city of Philadelphia from 1828 to 1829. This is a bear question, not a Dan and <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm gonna, I'll give it to you guys. All right. The answer is George M. Dallas. He was the mayor of Philadelphia from 1828 to 1829. I was going to say mayor. He became yeah, but... senator, and then he became vice president of the United States. That was a bear question for sure. <laughs> Well, you know, the funny thing is, you didn't know the answer. I just saw you reading the script off side, <laughs> sideline like, on Saturday. I had, no, I, I did the question. I knew the answer. I just wanted to have the dates right. Come Good on, research, though. Good research. All right. I did research that. It wasn't Bear who gave me that one. All right. So we have a, uh, our Espinosa This Day in Sports History question, which we'll see if you guys can get this. Uh, I'll put Aaron on the spot for sure. Uh, sponsored by Espinosa Cigars. Makers of like, uh, award-winning cigars. Such as Espinosa 601 and Knuckle Sandwich, smoke Espinosa and smoke Espinosa every day. So this I'm gonna ask you something that happened. In no, so first of all, who's your favorite Espinosa? Because I love that whole team. Who's my favorite Espinosa? That's like picking the whole family, the whole thing. Um, I mean, I, I get along well with all those guys. I mean, if okay. I pick one, if I pick one of my kids. But I, I mean, I, 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 I Jack Taranio. Jack Taranio, Hector, I know very well. I, Hector. I go with Eric and Eric Jr. Yeah. Hector's, Hector's a very close friend of mine. We, I was just with him in Miami. Jack was down there too. They're good. I mean, I talk to those guys probably more than I talk to my mother sometimes. So, uh, almost as much as I talk to Jose Blanco. So, um, so yeah, I talk to those guys very good. But here's a question, and Aaron, I think you can get this right. But right. I'll see if these guys can get it because it's not a hard one. On this day in 1973, this all-time great baseball player would hit his last home run. Mickey Mantle. Not Mickey Mantle. He had more home runs than Mickey Mantle, this person. Oh, it's got to be an A's or a Phillies guy or freaking Rangers. It's not, it's not a Phillies guy or a Rangers guy or anything. What is it? A Philly A's guy? No. He's an all time this is an all-time great home run person. Hit his last home run in 1973. Is it because we're in Atlanta? Not Atlanta. I'll, it's, I'll, it's, it happened on this day in 1973. It has nothing to do with where you guys are at or anything. Yeah, like yeah. yeah this is 1975. 73. 73. So, Aaron, Aaron, maybe closest to home to Aaron, maybe close to Hector too. This person. Just seeing if anyone in the chat got it. If not, Willie Mays. It's Willie Mays. He had a 660th home run on this day. All right. That's now, awesome. we, yep. I was trying to come up with someone for the cities. I couldn't. Um, yeah. So, all right. So what we got is uh, I got to do one more sponsor. Then we have a short segment to wrap up and we'll be done. So uh, you, you'll be, you'll be. I'm having uh, a blast. Thank you. No, thank you guys very much for making the time here. We really appreciate it. So of course, let me mention uh, JC Newman Scar Company. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 113-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. 
At this factory known as El Rahold, Jason Newman's brothers premium cigars by hand in hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the All-American Cigar, the American, and the Angel Cuesta Cigar. Jason Newman's Pensive Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's where Brickhouse, Pearl de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yago cigars are hand-rolled. And J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newman's founded the Scar Family Federal Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, health care, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. Try their latest release, the Sanguineva, as well as the Casa Cuevas lines and Cuevas Reserva lines. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your old retailer for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars, from our casa to yours. And I want to mention, we're going to get to our industry uh, deliberation segment, sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dunbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the Heflo Consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with Meat Carita Tricky Traka and 2022 with the Meat Carita Brack Saka Khan. Visit TTC Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. So I'm going to wrap this up with two questions tonight. I saw these questions on social media, and it was posed by a rep in the cigar industry. Oh, boy. Um, okay. <laughs> and I believe the answer was trying to solicit a negative answer. I'm going to be very honest with it. But I am curious to see everyone's thoughts on this. Okay. And the first, there's two questions, and I think they're both very much hit home for both of you guys. That's why I thought it was appropriate. Talking about, it was Bill Coyne. He's not a rep. It's not Bill Coyne. All right. It's not Bill Coyne. But he asked very good questions, though. Yeah. All right. They're related to, they're related to cigar media. So candid answers. I think this first one will be very interesting, especially from Dan's point of view. And the question I have for you guys is, when was the last time you picked up a Cigar Aficionado magazine and read it for something other than the top 25 list? I will tell you, I read that magazine from front to back. Honest, Dan? Yeah. And... I'm not going to justify anything, but I was uh, working in retail when the first magazine came out. And you know my, you know my relationship with George Breitbart, right? Absolutely. So absolutely. I absolutely. kind of followed him yeah. up to the thing. So uh, my love for that magazine runs deeper than some of the bullshit I hear out there. Can I afford 48,000? Whatever the number is, no. Uh, some of the shit that they get for like advertising versus whatever, you know, rankings, it, it's BS. There's a, maybe there, there's definitely something in there, but it's, it's BS. Uh, you know, <laughs> the guy that's in charge of advertising, I'm very like, we're not at that point. We're not even at the point. I'm sorry, this I'm being very all saint specific here. So is that not even to give out the fucking free cigars at, at, at the big smoke. Remember, Tim Asgener is the one that invented the cut and light 
and Big Smoke. Interesting. I did so not know. All that. these I people that now do this in the multi-vendor events. Uh, so Tim was at Great Smoke this year, right? You put this cigar in your mouth. You kind of lied. You bring me back the butt. I'll give you another one. He did that. I I actually and we did it too. Yeah, we did it too. Obviously, he got more of a splash out of it because they had that corner thing and fine enough. And guess what? I earned the right to use that too because of all my time and effort I put in. And that was Tim's idea. And one thousand percent, I'll give him because you go around the big smoke, all the big smokes. You remember they were in Detroit, Atlanta, all these places. Uh, we would do that. We would cut and light your cigar for you. You brought back the butt and you got another one to put back in your back. It's all about when you do a multi-vendor event, it's how you position yourself at those. Matter of fact, that's one of the first times I live, I saw the beautiful locks of hair that uh, Dan Thompson has. Because uh, he was over, he was in a very good spot. And it's funny because I say it that way because he was very close to Boofy and we know how crazy Boofy is. Um, so... You know, that was that, that's an interesting thing that you have to do. You have to anybody see what happens is is in any business, and Dan can speak to this a little bit better than I can, uh, is when you start going through the motions at a trade show, whatever, you, you get stuck and you get ugly. You got to do something different. And that that was one of the great. And now I use it too. And, uh, you know, so I'm sorry. That, that's my answer. Okay. Dan, where are you? I mean, the answer is basically when was you don't have to just other than talk like the question. Yeah. <laughs> the, the question Mickey went on a tangent. Yeah, I mean, I, you've been Mickey. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's okay. When was the last time you picked up a cigar official magazine and read it for something other than the top 25 list? When the C was bigger than the A. So you've never looked at a rating that when McAuliffe got a rating, right? You, that's Isn't the second. question when we... All you have to do is I pick it up and look at the rating. It. All you have to do is pick it up for any other reason than the top 25. No, I, I don't pick it up ever. I do see their online scores. Mm -hmm. And I think that's different than the magazine. That's why I'm distinguishing yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. The Insider. Okay. That's a fair, that's a, okay, fair comment there. Fair comment to answer that there. Because if I answered that, um, Aaron, what about you? I mean, I'm curious about your, I know your feelings on this, but I'm curious about your Um, It's probably been within the last 12 months that yeah. I like looked looked at one and like just read through something in there. Because um, sometimes like I'll, <laughs> I'll like read the letters to the editor just to like, understand what yeah. like a, what other smokers like have running through their heads yeah. um yeah. just to remind myself of that like we the the social media smokers that we interact with are not the majority of who buy cigars yeah. so so yeah. another thing to realize about well, i'm not out here to sell that magazine obviously uh but i will tell you this do you does anybody remember the date when it when the headline across the cover of that was cigar aficionado to aficionado 
with the the cigar part being downscored. Yep, I remember that. I mean, I remember I seen the change in the magazines. I don't remember when it so happened. When everybody motherfucks cigar aficionado, remember at the end of the day, yeah, they they became a cigar experience magazine. Yeah, but yeah, here's what I, here's what I think is fascinating. Coop, you and your team provide coverage of CA's top twenty five, and so. I don't know. <laughs> well, most boo. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's boo or yay. I, I don't know. That's a boo. That's a boo. But but the but the point is, you know, like them, hate them, whatever your perspective is, the top 25 list is one of the things that's talked about. Yeah. And um consume it resonates with consumers for yeah. for reason I don't fully understand, yeah. but it it's it's a consumer thing. Yeah. I think the way you guys framed the question was interesting because you said the magazine and I could see people maybe have not picked up the magazine. Right. But I guarantee you, like, like Skip Martin said, 15 years, I'm looking at a post from January 22nd, 2019 of him Dude, where he talked Martin about the insider, where he talked about the inside of vertical. Dan Thompson or Fair Fawcett yeah. is, that is yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I know people have, so maybe there's, you know, I could see the magazine piece. Maybe people haven't picked it up. But I think people do pay attention to Cigar Aficionado. I think that was, I thought, I said, I thought this was an interesting question that was posed by this rep. Now, I'm going yeah, yeah, to flip it. Of course. Yeah, I'm going to flip it now. All right. And the next question he asks is, when was the last time you read a cigar blog or listened to a cigar podcast in any format? The last Me? six hours. Yeah. <laughs> I don't watch them. I listen to them. Right now. Yeah. No, no. So in general, so uh, I, I'm not going to tell you who I listen to most or whatever. So obviously, Coop, Dojo, uh, Scar 30. I listen to those on the road. I get plenty of road yeah. time on myself. Yep. And I catch up on those. So to be out of video, like the only people that think are, the videos are cool that I'm on are, is uh, my mother. <laughs> she thinks I'm an actor or something. I don't know. I'm like, I'm like yeah, I'm kind of like yeah. a young Bruce Willis. Yeah. And uh, my daughters get on and they watch it. So here's the funny thing. I have two daughters in college and I sent them back with cars because they go to the same school. It's actually the same person me and I met. Yep. And they have cigar parties. And when I'm on, they'll have it. My daughters will host a cigar party. Uh, so outside of that, I'm like, I don't know. So I'll, I'll share a different perspective. Stepping into the industry in the last three years, the cigar media, the podcast, and the, the articles that are online, that, that's been how I've tried to educate myself. And it's certainly amazing what, what's available today to hear the direct voices of different brand owners and manufacturers to understand. If I lived in Miami, it'd be a very different experience. But being in Texas, away from most of those people, we just don't have the interactions. And so cigar media has been just, just a gift. Aaron. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Uh, so yep. looking at some of the stuff, Jay Davis and Skip, and Skip and I had these conversations. He he starts his day with uh, Affwheel, and I do too, because they really do have a good kind of like stoic, static of what's but, going on. But, but as you there. answer, people are tuning into that. That's exactly. Yeah. So if you want to, they're they're like the headlines of the day or whatever. And uh, I like Brooks. Brooks is a goddamn curmudgeon, but I like him. 
You know what I mean? So he beats yeah. the shit out of me and my company. And then, but yeah, we sit down, we have a cigar, and we like each other. And I like Pat, I like uh, and Charlie. I, I've yet to figure out yet. Uh, he cracks me up too. You know, so I mean, it is what it is. I don't yeah. get pissed about bad ratings. What I get pissed about is misinformation. Right. That's where I get really fired up. Uh, you know, so in that with that that copy and paste mentality right. that happens out there when we do it, like so Coop, you know, you beat the shit out of me all the time. Like, you're Pete Johnson, you don't do press releases. Well, I solved that problem. I'm <laughs> now teammates with we we have a new guy. we have a new process. We have a lot of you know, it's funny. We, yeah, no, it's all good. I'll just you, say this. You cannot be lackadaisical with Amanda around. No, she's really good. I mean, try. I've worked and you got to watch what you say and you better wordsmith correctly yeah. when you're around yeah. Dan. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Here's what I'll say. Um, Aaron, you could probably I don't know how much you want to chime in at, but 2022 was the biggest gross year of audience readership on Cigar Coop. It, the, mind-boggling. The, the, now, this year, the podcast numbers are the biggest growth year. But it's last year... It's time people, to let us start watching yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, I have my... Re- I've talked about why my reasons I think it happened on Coop. I think I just got smarter how I covered stuff. But uh, it, was, it was... So I, I, the answer is I do believe there's people always going to say they don't read it. But those are the people who are going to answer that question. You know, oh, I don't read it. I never read it. That's that's the natural reaction to things. Everybody, I, I to say either of these things are to say either of these entities are dead is is you're short sighted is what I'll just say. So here's the difference between headlines today and headlines yesteryear, right? I learned this from my uncle in law when he owned the Philadelphia Inquirer, Kimmy's Kimmy's uncle and dad. Oh wow! Is uh, the, the tyrannies is that when you look at the headlines drew you to the article, right? Yep. Now, headlines better tell the whole story, the way media comes out. Well, that's the way I've always... Like, people joke about the rumor-free, teaser-free. My idea is you don't need to to read Cigar Coop for clickbait. We don't need the clickbait. So, because we know people will be interested enough to do that click on their own. I I have enough trust in that. You you know, Coop, when... In 2020, we did a uh, consumer preference survey. Yep. At McAuliffe Cigars. And I think I've shared that data with you. Yep. And you could see every demographic CA was not the top preference. They were moving towards podcast. And the, the younger audiences had a yep. higher preponderance of, of podcast. But, but that's where the media consumption was moving towards. And so now, three years later, you're saying that it's playing out. And that's what you're seeing. But I think that people also really value the written word uh, in terms of articles, we, you know, and yeah. I, I don't think it's the uh, yeah. necessarily when we bring a new product out. I don't know how appealing that always is. Um, I find it very valuable to be able to point people to the correct information being posted. But I know that certain stories, people, they run like fire. And it's it's fantastic to be able to get that out in the way that you guys do. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And I think, again, I've shared some things with you. I said there's just certain stories that don't resonate with my audience. So what I've done, I've eliminated it, right? Or, you know, and basically I've focused on the folks who are working with us, and and, and that's how I've reported the news. And then the, it's not that we ignore everyone, but we have to give priorities to the, to the information, as long as it's good information we're getting. 
you know, um, but I think I've shared some of the things we've eliminated sure. from Cigar Coop over the last couple of years. And it's been a big, a big, or not eliminated, but downplayed it a lot. But it's made your product better to, to it, a it, national it, audience. It, it has. And it's actually, yeah, we've did, like, and I've been very vocal about store exclusives don't, aren't good media for me. I mean, but, what just, aren't, would you say, I'm sorry, single store releases have no traction. The it's the same. It takes me the same amount of time to publish a single store release as a national release. It's the same effort and everything to go into it, and those single store releases are just very limited. So I have to be pretty smart how I cover that stuff now, uh, where I'm a little more stringent on that stuff. Like national releases, I I can, I can still get by with it. But I've I've looked at the analytics very heavily, and I just said that. And now TAA is another one I've I've downplayed and and almost eliminated. Because I haven't seen the interest in the TAA cigars anymore. So there's been a big cutback in TAA this year on Cooper that people may have known. I've already gotten some comments on it. So, so yeah. I, I Listen, I love the TAA. I know it's going to piss some retailers out there. Uh, I know from an All Saints point of view, I want to be a part of that. Like Dan and I have not had this conversation, but whatever. Like everything in due time. Yep. I will tell you, my theory on all these TAA releases, you know what it reminds me of? Is when I first got into the business as a Davidoff rep. And events, pop-ups, whatever you want to call them, were just starting to happen. You'd have this event pop-up or whatever, and people would go, the retailers would go, well, shit, I need to do this once a month. And they went, well, shit. I need to do this every two weeks. Well, shit, I need to do it every week. I'm like, no, you're you're going to cannibalize everything. And I think TAA, with those releases, they've gotten too convoluted. They've gotten out there. You get people desperate to get something in the market to follow within that, to get the attention. And, you know, um. So if you are a brand-focused cigar company that dabbles in limited editions, uh, it could work. Or it, it couldn't work. Yeah. If you're a company that, that is limited edition-centric with core brands on the outside, it's like the old days. All the cigar shops were either pipe shops that sold cigars or cigar shops that sold pipes. Yeah. And I think that's what ha- now you have all these TAA things because they can't sell. Like, like, listen, I want you to buy All, all Saints and McAuliffe. I don't want you to be distracted with. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Dan and I haven't talked about this, but again, I'm probably doing too much inside baseball. But no, no, I, I share I share the same point of view. And as a manufacturer, you know, at McAuliffe, we we certainly are lined up to build our core line business to to work with the brick and mortars in a way that there's a audience that follows our products. And um, some of these other release models just, just aren't something that we've wrapped our head around. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of work to make sure that our horses are, are a staple in your state, in your stable, you know? Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, we're at the end of the show here. So I want to thank you guys for being on and sharing the story here. I think this was a, a great show. It was great having both of you guys on. I'll look forward to doing these more. I think maybe we'll definitely check in on with you guys at some point to see how things are going. 
So, look, can we ask you a question? A Lewis question. <laughs> what are one, one to two, maybe three things that you got out of this conversation? Because this is really the first exposure that we've done from uh, this is the biggest platform that we've had to express what we're doing together uh, with this bromance. Uh, what did you got? You know, it's like when you, uh, like, Dan talks about check ins and checkouts. I also like to think that like when you put your sales team back on an airplane, when they go home, what, what are the top three things they got out of that kind of scenario for us to help and grow? What, what's one, one thing from each of you that you got out of this uh, interview with us? For me, I think, yeah, yeah, the biggest thing I wanted to get out of this was the understanding of, of why you guys decided to do this. Like what was, you know, what, what did each of you think that you were going to get from the other? And what did you feel like you were going to be able to, you know, kind of bring to the table? And I think that you guys did a good job of being able to kind of explain that, you know, what that looked like. So, you know, utilizing your strengths on both ends. With the way Dan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because Dan is the conductor on this one. I I, I have <laughs> no problem admitting that. Yeah. Mine was, mine was that. But I think more so is I think you guys figured out you couldn't boil the ocean when you shook hands on this, right? Uh, and I don't know if you shook hands or did ink or whatever, but but I think you realize there were things that still had to be figured out, still have to be figured out. And then most importantly, I think you guys have a plan to get there. I mean, you talked about the ne- the things over the next months and leading up to PCA 2024. I got a very good comfort level about that. Um, and I think I admire you guys for realizing – Everything wasn't going to be solved with, 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 like I said, that initial deal. And I think uh, you, obviously there, there, the Aaron talked about the needs, and I think we got a good understanding of that. But I think you guys know that there's other things that you could do, and it's it's um, it's certainly a good – I think you guys have a roadmap for that is what I'm saying. I know you guys – we didn't ask you specifically to, to share that roadmap, but I, I have enough confidence the roadmap's there. And, uh, and you I have think a roadmap is, for the roadmap. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. You, know, you said a, you have a meeting with the team next month. Uh you know, in, 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 um, at the headquarters. So, I mean, this, I think this is very, very good. And, um, I'm excited to see what the future is going to hold with this. So, we. <laughs> so, so Coop, I, I, I thought that you'd have a question tonight that would be along the lines of what, what, what have I learned from Mickey or what has Mickey learned from me? That was unexpected. You know, that's a, I, 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 I missed that. But I'm curious. I want you guys to answer it now. So you said that. So so the thing that I learned in tonight's show, you see, Mickey's a world-class seller. And, and that means being able to build a sales organization, finding the right people for the right positions, having the right sense of urgency, all of those things Mickey's done multiple times at multiple organizations in multiple industries. But the thing that was unexpected to me um, I, I saw this little black book that he carries around. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Why and is this so fascinating to you? Because there's good phone numbers in there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's, it's really <laughs> interesting because it's a side of Mickey that I don't think most people know. In this little black book that he's had since, is it your middle daughter was born? Yeah, Kylie. Yeah. So so he's been carrying the same moleskin right here. Middle, Daughter was born. Do you have it to show people? It's a mess, but show it. Nah, it's right here. So 
in this book so fascinating (laughs) he has the tobacco blends that he's been working on for 17 20 years they got rejected by Tim. Oh, I, I, I know where you're going now. I got you. And, you know, Mickey talks about selling and what All Saints does. And he talks about being a relatively young company. But there's actually been a, a tobacco passion that goes back decades of having his hands in the tobacco, being able to develop, and working with the uh, Patel family in their factory. He's got the resources, which he lightly mentioned today. But I, I think the thing that surprised me the most was the decades of thought that have gone into All Saints cigars and what he's developing today and what he has in his future roadmap. And I think that's been understated, and it's certainly something I, I really appreciated, that this is an all-in plan for Mickey. It's not just a sales, but there's like there's no plan this B, amount buddy. of tobacco thought <laughs> that's gone into it. No, so... I think this is what he's talking about. So this, it is. Uh, it kind of started when I started working at Georgetown Tobacco. I wanted to give a little bit more information than it's good. So if you see me sometimes when I'm at an event and I'm a little tired and whatever, I'll like, why you? Which is my least favorite question <laughs> ever. Lewis and I, I think you and I have talked about this, right? Yeah. So... Uh, the analytical view that Lewis takes to what he does and that whole team, I'm totally fine with it. I love it. It's like, uh, but like, when you say, why you give me the elevators pitch, <laughs> I'm like, pound sand. Uh, what happened was, is I couldn't get any information. I was all, I was geeking out. This is 1989 to 1991. I'm geeking out. And, you know, we don't, we don't have those information devices that we have now, right? So I would literally, I'd like, uh, David, David Berkebile, who owns Georgetown Tobacco at that time, I'm like, can I call the factory and ask them <laughs> what it is? And everything back in the old days was proprietary. Yeah. French, English, whatever. So whatever. So I made my own notes, and then uh, I discovered Perlman's encyclopedia. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that That's yeah, Perlman was the uh, CR reference years ago. You got you, you got to remember, remember this, that little handheld encyclopedia that you made. Remember that? Yep. Oh, I remember that. I I think I still have one. And that was always wrong. So whatever, and. Uh, what I noticed was so CAO Tim brings me in and I am uh, VP of sales. Well, I was national sales manager, VP of sales. He's trying to do everything. This is kind of this is why I have such a reflection back to those days. You know, his dad had been in the business since 1968. He's coming in, his dad gets cancer stand-up comedian he comes back he does all these wonderful things and he needed help too like uh well mick i can't go down to the factories you gotta go what am i gonna say no come on so i go down there and that's when i started learning from these guys so i like if you talk to john huber he's gonna tell you that he's not a blender he's fucking full of shit yeah he knows tobacco he knows what he's doing of course, I'm going on. I'm geeking out. I'm like, 
talking to Nestor Sr. And I'm talking to Perdomo, all the people that were involved in the process of the old CAO scars. So this thing right here, <laughs> I guess I'll, I carry it everywhere and I, I need to stop carrying it everywhere because I can do digital with, you know, my things. So this is, I don't know if you can see this. Those are these notes right here. You now I have notes. I have love letters that I wrote to Kimmy too. Uh, you know, where you go? Happy new. Oh, uh, here's another. Uh, January 6, 2000. Happy new year. I just finished my budget for CIO 2005. System is getting better every day. I have started back to school because I was going to grad school at that time. I was flying in on the weekends. I literally get home on Friday, slap my wife on the ass, kiss her on the cheek, and a couple other things. And I would jump on a plane to Philadelphia to okay. UPenn. And I would stay down there and I would run into family and friends. And Kimmy finally starts saying, Don't tell me you're running these people. You move my ass to Nashville. Now you're talking about people that I, you know, I can't see anymore because you moved me there. And here we go. These are some of my old passwords <laughs> from Warden, from fucking UPenn, all that shit. IT guy's nightmare right here. <laughs> now. <laughs> so, Moelskins. Uh, look at that. It's open. Oh, this is... Uh, I, I didn't mean to make Aaron and I uncomfortable. <laughs> <Team 33. laughs> you got to change Mickey's password every three hours. Oh, man. So, yeah, I, I, keep that in it might be that bad. Right now. Uh, P33-2014. Tobacco, Mickey. Tobacco. Halapa C98. Lajero Esteli. And you got to remember, like, you know, we're doing double binders or single binder. Like, uh, crap. And I am not, I am not a master blender. But you take notes and you learn. You become a student of the game. Here, like. Coop, the thing that surprised me the most that Mickey doesn't often talk about is the 20 years he's been working on different tobaccos. And that's why he was able to bring such great cigars to market with All Saints. <laughs> they were my ideas that Tim didn't like. Thank God. And Tim, everything Tim touched back in the days was gold. Tim Oscar and the stuff he's touching today is gold. You know, it's all about timing, Mickey. Now's your time. Yeah, and Tim's doing great. He's getting back and he's energizing. He's going to create that challenge. And you know, the big guys going back. You know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very excited, and I'm all in. Obviously, uh, and there's no plan B. And I, I think when I said that to Mr. McCallum, you know. Sometimes he's out. Sometimes it's Mr. McCallum. When you're when we're having fun, it's Al, and you're learning. It's Mr. McCallum. And um, he goes, "So this is a guy that has a lot of resources." I'm like, "I don't have a plan B." Like I, you know. So I'm excited. Sorry, I'm talking too much. But you're on YouTube. I was a I was coughing, so um, at the cough. So, is there anything else you guys want to hit before uh, we wrap up? Did you get Mickey's uh, answer to that question? I know he kind of went off of Dan's. Oh, what, did I not answer a question? What? Yeah, what was what again? was unexpected that you picked up from the Dan? unexpected? Yeah, the unexpected. The unexpected I picked up from Dan. Yeah. <sighs> 
I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just, he's such a squared away guy, you know, and uh, he's genuine, um, bright. Uh, how unexpected did I learn from Dan? You know, every time I learn from Dan, it's not unexpected because he's Dan. If that makes any sense, I'm not kissing ass. I'm just like it's he, he he's a bucket of knowledge. So well, I can tell you what Mickey's told me on the phone privately. He said he's, oh, he's told me that that I'm over detail oriented and that things like walking through a presentation where I keep putting his page back on the page I'm talking about, not letting <laughs> him flip through the deck. Yeah. He's picked up some little idiots <laughs> that I may have. <laughs> Everything that drives me crazy when I'm doing a presentation, I do it. And I'm like, I don't know, Tim and I were talking about the other day. He goes, we're talking about some scenario about how walking through the team through something. And I go, do you remember that presentation and you just wanted me to see page one because you thought I was mature enough just to look at the, the, the macro of <laughs> the top page. And I'm going through and you took the fucking deck away from me and it gave me one page at a time. I go, that's what we got to do with the sales guys. <laughs> oh, my so, God, Dan. That's, Aaron, I have a few little that's weird. A, that's things. hilarious. Yeah. Hey, that's all right. That's good. No, it's all good. Let's focus on one topic at a time when we're in a meeting. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I know. I'm a pain in the ass. I got it. No, that's part of the magic. It's part of, that's all good. Thank all you guys good. so much for this yeah, evening. Yep. Really Thank you for coming on. Thank you guys as well. Um, programming note: we uh, show next week to be announced. Um, and uh, we have a jukebox show on Monday, episode 106. We're going to be talking about actors and singers who have crossed over to each other's genre. So uh, we will do that show Monday night. Um, right. but that's it, guys. We appreciate you. What do you got next week? We uh, to be determined. Still finalizing. Uh, still finalizing. Still, fi uh, still finalizing. Details. Still finalizing details. We don't have a confirmed person yet. So once I have that, it will be announced. Uh, we do have. Yeah. We have a guest announced for the following week. So uh, we'll announce that next week, though. So how was Tuesday? Who'd you have Tuesday? Booth. Boofy. Yeah. And we actually had Booth. We had the most tame version of Matt Booth ever. Bear has oh, a way yeah, of. Dan, Bear Dan has a way. Got, why was he tired, stoned, or like not like? No, uh, Bear has a Bear has a way. I, I don't know how to explain it, but we we did it. Was actually the 13th anniversary of Cigar Coop on on Tuesday. I saw that. And Matt's been a guy I've been covering from day one. Really, when he started, right. we're very cool. So we went through Matt's like history of like like things he's done over the years. So we actually had him very engaged with that. So uh, uh, it, it was a, uh, it was a change is what I'll just say. So I always uh, talk about Boofy and I go back and forth, like on text chains. And I'm like, I am so glad that I was not a Marine in your squad, because if I literally had to go in a trench with you, yeah, I would sleep with my butt up against a wall and a sock in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. So it's all good. It's all good. But guys, I appreciate you guys very much. I appreciate our audience hanging in there. Mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate even the comments as well. Uh, oh, especially Skips. Skips. So uh, <laughs> it was good to see Skip in the room tonight. So uh, Skip but, won't go to sleep until 7 o'clock. Yeah, exactly. yeah, he just woke up probably. So 
So I appreciate everyone who tuned in and takes the time. It's thank you guys very much. Uh, but that's going to wrap up primetime episode 279 to the annals of history for Thursday, August 17th. Now Friday, August 18th on the East coast. We'll see everybody next time. Take care, everybody. See you guys. Straight home. Make good choices, everybody. <laughs>